welcome to this week's episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, here talking the latest in the world of sports. This is episode 188, all the way from Harper College Radio to Radio DePaul Sports. get it going today it is going to be a long episode of money Man sports talk here on january 25th 2021 we got a lot to talk about today we got someone to talk to and we have madness here on monday Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein, your host of the program here. So let's get it going. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Super happy to have you with me on this very cloudy Monday we have. Preparing for a snowstorm, I believe. Let's hope everyone shall stay safe during such here on January 25th, 2021. And it's going to be a fantastic episode, as always. You are in for a treat today, because all of the sports are going to be discussed. The four main sports today are going to be hockey, UFC, basketball, and football. Talking the latest in all of those sports, sports respectively. And with my guest who I have on today, I will be talking Premier League soccer as well with him. And that person is former colleague of Radio DePaul Sports, Carlos Rodriguez, who did play-by-play commentary with me for women's softball, women's soccer, and it was just a lot of fun. And most recently, I did not mention it on the show last week, but I'll mention it right now, both of us got nominated for the Intercollegiate Broadcasting Systems Award for Best Miscellaneous Play-by-Play Broadcast. So there's Best Play-by-Play for Basketball, Football, Baseball, and that's it. And then there's uh, a category for miscellaneous sports. And we are top five for that in the country. Uh, if you're ever familiar with the old, old Monday Mass Sports Talk episodes at WHCM, you might be familiar with uh, the Intercollegiate Broadcasting Systems Awards because um, this is not my first rodeo. Uh, I was um, honored to be a part of many other award-winning categories back at WHCM. And now, unexpectedly, even six months after graduating college, um, I am nominated with Carlos Rodriguez for another award, which I am super ecstatic about. And I'm going to have him on. We'll talk about that briefly, but he also loves Premier League, so we'll talk about that. And also, we got we should probably get into a conversation about, you know, just the styles of broadcasting and play-by-play commentary and what our experience was like doing play-by-play commentary on the radio and, um, you know, how we were able to have such great chemistry doing so. Uh, Carlos is an amazing guy. I'm excited for you to listen to him um, later on in today's show. But besides that, I do got some solo segments today, starting off with some hockey. I want to recap the two first two weeks of the hockey season, specifically the Chicago Blackhawks, who are currently, what, two, three, and one. 
um, with one overtime loss, three losses, and two wins. Uh, most recently, those wins came from the Detroit Red Wings, so that is going to be a topic of discussion. Briefly here on today's show, I might even mix hockey in with some football, because football, I just want to talk about the two games that happened yesterday for both conference championships. Nothing else to talk about other than the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be playing against each other in the Super Bowl. I'm going to get more into detail about Super Bowl discussion next week because next week will be where I will make my 100% predictions and do my uh, sports bets pick of the Super Bowl next week. So we'll look forward to more specific Super Bowl discussion on next week's episode. Um, And so that's as far as the first segment. So I'm talking with football. The second segment will be UFC 257. This past Saturday night, Conor McGregor makes his return against Dustin Poirier, and he gets knocked out. Conor McGregor is knocked out for the first time in his UFC career and against a very, very good candidate in Dustin Poirier. Um, A lot to be unraveled there in that discussion. Talk about that. Also talk about um, what happened with the UFC blackout at the beginning of the fight card where a lot of people who paid for the pay-per-view could not have access um, to the stream that was on uh, ESPN. which was a huge problem because if you're paying seventy, nearly $70 for a pay-per-view event, you better be able to watch all five fights in that main card, um, which I wasn't able to do on Saturday, which I'll get to when the time comes. Then we'll get into the segment with Carlos. It'll be about over an hour. Um, uh, so if you want to skip through that, which I highly recommend you do not do because it was a really, really good time with Carlos. Um, I had, we recorded this past Friday, so... Um, we um, had a really good conversation, and I really highly recommend you stay tuned for that for the whole hour, 15 minutes. Um, and then after that, to conclude the show, I would love to talk some basketball. Uh, Let's recap the standings. The Chicago Bulls, even though they lost pretty bad the other night against the Lakers, are looking pretty decent. So I would like to talk about them and end the show with some basketball. Here on the 188th edition of Monday Mass Sports Talk, that is what the format's going to look like today. And yeah, so before I go any further, I would like to make a couple of announcements here. Uh, one is in regards to Monday Madness Sports Talk merchandise. I made the announcement last week, and I'm going to make uh, an updated announcement today. $135 has been donated to COVID relief funds on behalf of Monday Madness Sports Talk, and I could not be any prouder of the show and um, you, the listener, for just being a part of uh, of. Just the hard work that I like to put into this show every single week. Um, it, it really means a lot that people are, you know, purchasing product, supporting the show, supporting a great cause, and you know, making sure that people people get the money that need it most. And you know, I don't think I don't consider myself in need of the money more than the people who are really suffering through this pandemic. So for you to support. Um, so well means a lot to me and the people who need it most. So if you want Monday Man of Sports Talk merchandise, I got hats, I got shirts, I got sweatshirts, I got pillows, I got pins, I got mugs, I got everything you can think of. If you can think of a product idea, I might be able to make it. Uh, just all you gotta do is contact me on social media 
at nfeste97. That's Instagram at nfeste97. And I can put an order in for you or send you the product and it will be shipped directly to you with a shipping address. It will be amazing. Already today, I think... The first batch of orders are being delivered to those who ordered early today. So if you um, have yet to check your mailbox, I highly recommend you doing so because it might be there. If you ordered less within the past two weeks, over a week ago, if you ordered over a week ago, your product should be in the mail by today since yesterday was Sunday and USPS doesn't deliver on Sundays. Um, so, yeah, that's Monday Man Sports Talk merchandise. I'm currently wearing the Monday Man Sports Talk sweater, and it's super comfortable. Um, for the price that it is, it's $25 for a sweater. That's an unbeatable price for an unbeatable cause for an unbeatable show. That is Monday Man Sports Talk. Yes, I said it. The best podcast for sports talk here in Chicago. I know. Hopefully... You say the same. Here on the 188th edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk. Um, very happy to be with you here today. Ready for a good show. As always, we'll get to you right next with some hockey and football. Getting into it here on the 188th edition. Stay tuned. Get it going here on episode 188 of Monday Mana Sports Talk. Glad to have you with me here today on this fine Monday. You might not think Mondays are fine, but for me, Mondays are the start of something fresh, the start of the week, and here I am talking about that in regards to sports. So let's get us started here with some hockey, as now I have yet to talk about it since the season has started. So here are the updated standings for the NHL. And like I said a few weeks back in my first show of 2021, the NHL has a different format this year where there's eight teams in every division except the Canadian division, which is seven teams. And they all play each other eight times throughout the season except for the Canadian side in which they play each other nine times for the season. Um, and then uh, you, you, you basically get the top four in every single division um, a playoff spot. And then it's just a regular 16-team playoff at the end of the season. Um, problem is, at the beginning of this season, uh, there has been some complications with the Dallas Stars uh, and the Florida Panthers, who have started their seasons on delay because of COVID-related issues. And the Blackhawks have six game played, whereas the Stars have... The Dallas Stars have two games played, and the Predators have, or not the Predators, the Panthers have two games played. Also, the Carolina Hurricanes have three games played. But you might see, if you look at the standings, that the Blackhawks are indeed in a playoff spot, but um, that's obviously should not be the case, considering they are, they have played the most amount of games in the Central Division 
tied with the Blue Jackets and Red Wings, even though the Red Wings have played six games and have only gathered four points. Whereas you got the Florida Panthers with four points and uh, the Predators with four points and the Hurricanes with four points and the Stars with four points. The Stars have only played two games and yet still have just as many points as the Red Wings do do with six games played. Um, So that's Central Division in particular. Uh, So when we talk about that, um, you, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning is in that division. They are atop that division with six points um, with four games played. Um, so you're going to obviously think that the, the Tampa Bay Lightning is going to have to run away with this division considering they are the defending Stanley Cup champions. This doesn't seem like a hard division with the Blackhawks in it. Um, the only team that seems like it's going to be a threat uh, to the Lightning in this division is going to be the Stars and the Blue Jackets, maybe. I, I The Blackhawks aren't even a threat. They lost five to two and five to one respectively against the lightning in their first two games. Um, so that's ex- expected. Uh, but there are some silver linings with this Blackhawks team team that I would like to cover here quick with you guys, because, um, uh, the Red Wings series, the first two games at home were a success were a success. <laughs> and, um, for the Blackhawks first game was four to one. That was on Friday. And then yesterday, the Blackhawks went six to two with the, Highlight of the the game was Pew Suter, who is uh, who used to play, I think, in the Finland League, if I'm correct, um, has come to the NHL, scores his first three NHL goals in one game, and that was this game right here. So he's obviously the number one star. Three goals in that game against the Red Wings, obviously scoring half of the goals that the Chicago Blackhawks score. The other two goals were from Matthias Janmark, Connor Murphy, and uh, let me see who else it was. Um, and Philip Kurashev. Kurashev has gotten some good uh, action as well. Um, then you look at Pursuiter, he's geeked to put five shots on goals. Three of those shots went in. So you're looking at these guys who are replacing guys like Jonathan Taze, who is out pretty much for a very long time with un- unknown um, physical conditions. I don't think it's COVID-related, but Jonathan Taze is not playing right now. And for someone like Suter to come in, and make the impact that he has made is pretty remarkable. Um, especially when you surrounder guys like Patrick Kane, who is already having a fantastic season so far. Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have these one, these few players that will step up in the absence of your captain. And Suter has done that. Janmark has done that. And I would think that Dominic Kubelik is one of those names, and Philip Kershev, uh with these Blackhawks. So that that that's. Um, definitely motivating, if you may say, because this Blackhawks team doesn't seem like they're a playoff team for that matter, but a team that is young, that should definitely start playing with each other more often and gaining a lot of wisdom as now they grow older in the NHL. Patrick Kane's a great example. When he was young, he was a great player. He got to play around guys like uh, Jonathan Taze and uh, I think Chris Chelios was on that team at one point with Patrick Kane. So like, surrounding your guys with those veterans are super important because you get to learn so much and you get to create so much experience in the NHL. You know, when you talk about physical high-paced sports like hockey, experience is super important because you got to know the style of play with each team that you play with, each player that you play against, that you check up against the boards. You have to know the style of play and experience helps you kind of learn that. And when you look at guys like Pew Suter, who scores his first three goals in one game in the NHL, 
gains up that confidence and now is going to feel like a superstar next time he steps on the ice. And that next time that the Blackhawks are going to step on the ice will be tomorrow night, Tuesday night, against the Nashville Predators in Nashville. The next two games will be in Nashville. I think the Blackhawks should be coming back home the next few games, yes, against the Blue Jackets, the next two, and against the Carolina Hurricanes, the next two as well. And then they go back on the road against Dallas to start off February. By that time, I'll be talking about the Blackhawks once once again. Let's talk about the Blackhawks' goaltending. Um, they already put out three goaltenders, Colin Delia, uh, Malcolm Subban, and um, Kevin Lankinen, who has really stepped up to the plate in the past two games, in the past two wins. Proving himself that really he can be the starting goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks team. Uh, and the, the, the Blackhawks still have some choices to make. But so far, Kevin Lankinen has been the goalie of choice. He has played three games. He has 88 shots against with a 2.63 goals against average. That's a, nine, that's a .909 save percentage, which is pretty good. You didn't, you wanna, If you want to be a starting goaltender, you have to be above 910. Have to be above 910. So... Lankinen has some something to prove. He's 25 years old and he's six foot two, so he's got the stature. He's got the mentality to be a goal goaltender, and uh, it's really, really great to see that performance coming out of Kevin Lankin, especially in a time where the Blackhawks really need to find a goaltender. Um, it's it's quite vital. So that's that for the Blackhawks. Um, you know. I don't have high expectations for this season in terms of them making either the playoffs or going far into the playoffs. I would just like to see um, guys that are young, like Alex DeBrinkett, um, hopefully Kirby Dot comes back soon because he's also out, uh, to make sure that they they gain more experience and um, be able to tap into some of the things that they need to work on to become a better hockey player in the Blackhawks organization because I think that's what the Blackhawks are best known for is their development in their young players, especially when you have guys like, like I said, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane who are there to be mentors, who are there to be, um, you know, role models. It's very important for them to look up to those guys who are also Stanley Cup champions. So I could see this Blackhawks team turning things around maybe quickly in the next couple years. That's if these young players are going to develop and that the Blackhawks can still pick up good veteran talent. And that's what Janmark was picked up for this past offseason coming back from the Dallas Stars. So that's important is to create that, um, I would say, environment in the Blackhawks organization that there is room for development and there is still room for winning because this Blackhawks team has a history, especially in this past decade, of winning, and there's really no excuse to say why not. Why can't they continue winning? Um, so maybe they'll make some adjustments mid-season. Maybe they'll make some more signings in the next couple of years. But I'd give it another two, three years to say, hey, the Blackhawks are going to be once again up top. That's if they can really, really start to develop their young talent and maybe even bring in some veteran experience to that as well. Let's look at the updated NHL standings here as we now move into week three of the season. I already discussed Central Division. Really, I mean, there's really not much to discuss when we talk about divisions because everything's open. The only close division is the East Division when we talk about games played. The Capitals, Penguins, Flyers, and Devils are in the top four, all with six games played with the exception of the Devils who have five games played. They, uh, nine points for the Capitals, 
Eight points for the Penguins, seven points for the Flyers and Devils and Bruins, who are also up there as well. Islanders is there as well with five games played and six points. So that's going to be a very close division to watch this year for the NHL. I think it's going to be the most interesting division. you got a lot of talent in the East Division. you got, what, a lot of teams who have come from the playoffs this past year. I think the Sabres, Islanders, Bruins, Capitals, Penguins, Flyers. That's a really tough division in the East. Let's look at the West here. The Las Vegas Golden Knights with six games played. They are 5-1 and one with 10 points. Wild, six games played. 4-2 and two with eight points. Blues are seven points with six games played. All of these teams in the West Division have six games played. Blues are um, seven, seven points. Avalanche, six points. King, six points. Ducks, six points. Sharks, six points. And Coyotes, five points. Let's look at the North Division in Canada. The Maple Leafs have seven games played. They are the most, they have the most amount of games played tied with the Edmonton Oilers. They have 10 points with a 5-2 record. The Canadians, um, 4-0-2, 10 points. Uh, the Jets have eight points. Oilers have six. Flames have five. Canucks have four. And the Senators have three. The Central Division, like I said, is the most, um, COVID-stricken division in terms of games that are not been played as many games because you have the Lightning has played four, Blue Jackets six, Blackhawks six, Stars only two, Hurricanes only three, Predators five, Predators with only two, or Panthers with only two, and the Red Wings with only six. Well, with six games played. So just the, the disparity with all those teams in that division with the amount of games played um, has yet to really um, put this division in lock in terms of who's in front, Who's got the advantage so far? So that's through week two of the NHL. Okay, so that's it for NHL standings. Um, I just want to take a quick second to remind you guys you are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the 188th edition of such here on January 25th, 2021. Time to move on to some football as I'm combining NHL with football. We're talking about the NFL playoffs that happened this past weekend, this past Sunday and it, it it was quite the couple games that we saw, except I would say except the Bills game that was kind of a blowout. With uh, you know the Kansas City Chiefs were down nine early, but they came back, and once they came back, they just controlled the game from there. But the most notable game I think was the Packers and Buccaneers, Rodgers versus Brady. Brady coming up on top once again, and um, I, I think this is a time to say that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. You, you heard it here. You've probably heard it somewhere else, but you've also heard it here on Money Mass Sports Talk from here. From me, Noah Festenstein, that I really think that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, which is why when we watch the Super Bowl in, the, in a couple weeks, to really embrace the moment of watching Brady in another Super Bowl, his 10th Super Bowl, and to like be able to like experience that, the greatness. Like LeBron James, like, you know, LeBron James is one of the greatest of all time, too. I'm not going to say he's better than Jordan, because I, like I said on the show before, I think that's one of the most stupid arguments of all time is who's better from different eras. You can't just say Wayne Gretzky is better than um, Alex Ovechkin right now, or Alex Ovechkin's better than Wayne. It's two different eras. That's hockey, you know? You can't just say um, Lionel Messi is better than, uh, I don't know, whoever, whatever soccer player you thought was great in the 80s. You know, just example like that. Like, you can't compare two different eras. So when I'm talking about the greatest in football, the greatest of all time in football, you know, um, Tom Brady is the most successful. In a very tough league to win championships, 
to do it with two different teams in the first year you're with your in his 21st year in his first year with a different team other than the New England Patriots he makes the Super Bowl with a team that wasn't even that great in the past couple years in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers complete turnaround all thanks to the general management of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unbelievable job made by that team to fix their offense to make an adequate defense enough to make it to the Super Bowl it's quite amazing to see what happened in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization and um Tom Brady fan or not you should be impressed this is an unbelievable season Tom Brady's 43 years old and still doing what he does best which is incredible um so the Packers are now gone as a Bears fan yes that's nice but um, I did have the Packers in my Super Bowl prediction just because I thought that their talent was just good enough, but um, apparently wasn't good enough against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it, it was a great game. Like I said, it was a great game. Uh, it was always close, kind of back and forth. Tampa Bay was kind of had the edge the entire game. Um, but I, the last play, the last drive for the Grammy Packers really confused me because what happened was, and I'm sure if you watch the game, you know you know what I'll be talking about here, is that they had a fourth down play. Well, let's talk about the third down play first. So they were within the 15-yard line, down 31-23. You need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game. And with three, or with what, less than two and a half minutes left, Green Bay decides to kick a field goal on fourth down. On third down, though, if you look at the replay, Aaron Rodgers had a ton of open field to possibly run the ball in the end zone, and he ended up passing it incomplete. So looking at that one moment could have really changed everything. And instead, Green Bay Packers kicked the field goal, and their defense couldn't get it done against Tom Brady. You're playing against Tom Brady, and you decide to kick a field goal at that spot? That just doesn't make any sense. You know, I feel like that is the one chance you get at the end of the game to tie it, and if you don't tie it, you have to rely on your defense to get something, and the defense couldn't even get it done. And the Green Bay Packers couldn't even have a chance offensively to come back and tie the game, or even take the lead for that matter. So that last play was was just not ideal in the slightest, especially for the Packers. Um, Buccaneers defense really played it off well, really got the job done, especially with their zone defense at the end. Um, like I said, Rodgers should have ran it into the end zone on third down in that play, and it could have been a different story. And yet, they could have also missed the two-point conversion, which would have been a much different story that we'd be talking about today. But 31-26 to is the final score. Tom Brady, like I said, going to the Super Bowl for the 10th time in his career in his 21st season. Um, so, think about it this way. Tom Brady has played 21 season, Nearly half of his career, he has been in the Super Bowl. I remember earlier this season, he was asked... Um, are you going to be going to the Super Bowl in a blazer this year? And Tom Brady was like, no, I'm going to be in full uniform. That's the type of confidence you want to see from your veteran quarterback and from a quarterback that, you know, players look up to in terms of wisdom. And like I was just saying for hockey is making sure that, you know, veterans are making the best out of their wisdom and being the right kind of role models for those players who are developing. And in terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got, you know, some – a good mix of rookies and uh, uh, veteran talent. I would say Antonio Brown's on that list. Of course, Rob Gronkowski. Um, but then you, you look into the Super Bowl, to, forward to the Super Bowl, you got the Kansas City, who is a very experienced team in the Super Bowl, considering they won it last year, um, is going to have an advantage in that regard. But the best advantage that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have, which no other Super Bowl team has had ever, 
except um, I remember when L.A. was in the Super Bowl and uh, the the Rose Bowl was there, and they, they, they were playing in L.A., but the Rose Bowl Stadium, I don't know. That was, like, really the only time that a Super Bowl team had a home field advantage, but none like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. They are actually playing in their home stadium in the Super Bowl that has never happened in NFL Super Bowl history. So that's something to look forward to for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and seeing if that's going to be an advantage because obviously Super Bowl tickets are very expensive. You don't know what kind of fans are going to be there, but it's mostly going to be Tampa Bay fans, especially when they're playing against Kansas City. Um, I I remember going last year to... um, I was actually in Florida around this time last year and the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs... um, was in Miami. I was in Fort Lauderdale, but I remember flying in. There was a ton of Kansas City fans on the plane, like literally red everywhere. Like it wasn't even close. Like there weren't even San Francisco Giant fans. I don't even remember seeing many of those. It was basically all Kansas City fans. So from my understanding, Kansas City travels well. So you're going to think that Kansas City fans are going to be packed into Tampa Bay um, come the next couple weeks to watch their team uh, compete in another Super Bowl. Which, to me, doesn't seem... I mean, you're going to feel home field advantage. Especially down in Tampa Bay, where the Buccaneers can thrive at home. So, this will be different. This is like the first... Like I said, first Super Bowl with a home field advantage. Very excited to see how that plays out. Um, and when, when I'm on Kansas City right now, I'll talk about their game against um, uh, the Buffalo Bills. First off, Buffalo Bills, great season. Everything should be proud about. Same thing applies to uh, the Cleveland Browns, except they ran into a really good Kansas City team. Nothing that any of the teams that were eliminated by Kansas City should be proud about. Um, there, there's nothing that, or nothing that they should be ashamed about, for that matter, um, because every single team had a right in this playoffs. And that's what I liked about this playoffs, is every single team earned their spot, maybe with the exception of the Chicago Bears, who had to rely on the Arizona Cardinals to lose in Week 17. That's a different story. Um, the fact that Brady had to beat both Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees was remarkable. I'll get to that in a second. But the Kansas City team, with the Kansas City Chiefs team making the Super Bowl again, not a surprise to me. Like I said, I predicted them to be in, predicted them to win the Super Bowl I'll make my full-on prediction about that next week when I get more, when I think about it more, because um, now it's a different game between Kansas City and Tampa Bay, so we'll see how um, I kind of think about it as the week goes on. But Kansas City really, really did um, a lot of dominating against Buffalo, even when they were behind, they were dominating. Uh, was never comfortable with a nine nothing lead at the beginning for Buffalo. You knew that Kansas City was going to come in and score at least twenty five points, when which they did by. Um, by a long shot. I think they scored what? What was the final score of that? That was 38-24. Uh, so, great game. Uh, great two teams that were in it. Buffalo, I think, um, like I said, should not should be ashamed of absolutely nothing. Congratulations on a great season. And to their fan base, they donated over $150,000 to the Lamar Jackson um, charities, which is um, very respectable. And, um, yeah, not, not, I, I couldn't even say anything much more about it. It's just super respectable what that, uh, what the Buffalo Bills fan base did after that Baltimore Ravens game. Um, so yeah, that was it for, uh, football. Like I said, I was, I was talking about Tom Brady beating both Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. 
in the in the NFC. You, you, you come in and beat the best NFC quarterbacks, both Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, the two best NFC quarterbacks in the NF, in the NFC by far, hands down. And comes in and, and wins the NFC Championship for his first for the first time in his career is quite remarkable, and should put Tom Brady on the highest pedestal of all time. Tom Brady is an amazing quarterback. I'm rooting for him. I'm a big fan of his because he's just a responsible guy and he knows that he knows how to win and he knows how to lead. And that's the type of qualities you need to see out of your quarterback. Uh, pretty pretty essential, if you ask me. So, um, yep, that is that for football. Um, nothing really else to say, but looking forward to a good Super Bowl prediction conversation next week here on the show. Um, I might even get into a little bit with Carlos as well, ask him about what his prediction is for the Super Bowl. Even though we recorded it on Friday, we didn't know uh, who, who was going to make uh, the Super Bowl at that time. But bear with us. Um, that segment will be coming after this upcoming segment. This upcoming segment is going to be UFC 257. I'll be talking about the Conor McGregor fight and him losing to Dustin Poirier on Saturday night. It'll be a good one here on the 188th edition of Monday Matter Sports Talk. Stick around. Welcome back to Monday Matter Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festus Dean, taking you into this segment. It is the UFC segment of the day today. I have one thing to talk about, one thing only, and that is the Dustin Poirier Conor McGregor fights. It was a good one until the, uh, you know McGregor got knocked out. That was Mia Valley with Dark Side here on the 188th edition of Monday Matter Sports Talk. Glad to have you with me here, and if you were there on Saturday night, not physically in Abu Dhabi, but they're watching it. Uh, I, I, as I hope that you aren't the diehard Conor McGregor fan that um, I might assume you to be, because a lot of people, 92% is what my assumption is, were going for Conor McGregor, especially sports bettors, you know, with their sports boosts and everything, putting a lot of money on Conor McGregor. I've seen, I saw the bets, and the, those bets did not work out. I think people really, really underestimated Dustin Poirier, and I might fall guilty to it too if you listened to last week's episode um, for the UFC segment, you know, making my predictions for the fight. I did predict Conor McGregor to win, but like I said, if Dustin Poirier finds a way to get McGregor to the ground and able to neutralize his skill sets on the feet, in which he did, of course, in the second round, then he would have a chance. Um, Dustin Poirier, fantastic job he did, especially in the first round. His game plan, according to his post-fight press conference, was that he was supposed to make sure that he mixes all of his styles appropriately, you know, to emulate the the true essence of mixed martial arts, and that what I think really Dustin Poirier did portray very well on Saturday night, especially in the first round, you know, going for that takedown, getting the calf kicks, making sure to destabilize Conor McGregor's skills because especially when you take away the legs when you take away the legs you take away balance you take away agility you take away some of the moves that maybe that fighter was supposed to use with the legs Conor McGregor was not able to neutralize Dustin Poirier after Poirier put calf strikes on McGregor that was the fight right there that was it McGregor slowed down 
Poirier found his opportunity in the second, especially with the amount of energy that he still had in the early rounds to make sure that he was able to knock out Conor McGregor. For the first time ever in Conor McGregor's career, he has been knocked out, and that was insane to watch. Everybody um, in the Eddie Hot Arena was just, I, I, I would say shocked, but also um, not just, not, not, not disappointed. Because they, they were cheering uh, Dustin Poirier when he was leaving the octagon um, because he did something to the unthinkable. People don't think that Conor McGregor is that easy to knock out, but Poirier came in with confidence, a game plan, and experience against McGregor. That's important, especially with the Nate Diaz uh, trilogy, um, potential trilogy fight with Conor McGregor. Um, you know, Nate Diaz has history with Conor McGregor. He was able to beat McGregor by decision at some point, but no one has ever been able to beat McGregor by knockout. Dustin Poirier proved himself to pre probably at the moment the best lightweight fighter in the lightweight division by far. Um, so let let's throw all the stats aside, all of the history aside. Right now, Dustin Poirier is the number one lightweight contender. And will be fighting for the next championship belt for the lightweight division. That's not going to be interim. It's not going to be against Khabib Magomedov. And I hope it's not going to be against Michael Chandler. Now, let's get to Michael Chandler. He faced off against Dan Hooker in the lightweight co-main event on Saturday night. And Dan Hooker got absolutely smashed in the first 45 seconds. I was not surprised because, I, I mean, people definitely like uh, Dustin Poirier underestimated Michael Chandler since he was coming in from Bellator. He was a Bellator uh, star, and that Bellator fighters aren't able to compete with UFC fighters. That is completely wrong. Bellator is, and even the professional fighting league for that matter, all these fighting leagues that um, create revenue and are on national TV are professional fights. These are professional fighters that have professional experience. So when we talk a guy about a guy like Michael Chandler, who's now has 20 wins in his career to the four losses he has, now has UFC experience for 45 seconds against a top five contender in Dan Hooker. Not top five, he's like top seven, but still pretty good. Um, so for him to do what he did definitely puts Michael Chandler in a spot like maybe a fight against Charles Oliveira or maybe a, a, a top contender who's coming up or down from another weight class. But Michael Chandler needs one more fight before going into a UFC championship fight. And Dustin Poirier said it best in the post-fight press conference because one reporter asked Poirier, what are your thoughts on Michael Chandler fighting you next in a championship bout? Dustin Poirier said, said exactly what I wanted him to say in the best way possible. And he said that Michael Chandler... As great of a fighter he is, you know, he has all the respect for Chandler. Chandler um, um, is an unbelievable father. Uh, he adopted his son and is one of the best fatherly figures in the sport. And um, that's the same thing for Dustin Poirier. He has his he has a daughter, and he wants to be the one to be the best fatherly figure they could possibly be. Same thing for Conor McGregor, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but Michael Chandler doesn't. Like, he's, he's respected, but he doesn't have the UFC experience to be able to be like, oh, wow, I just fought one fight, and now I get a title shot. You need a couple more fights in the UFC to prove yourself. Yes, he had a great career in Bellator, but um, I agree with Dustin Poirier. Um, even though Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler match up very, very well, Michael Chandler needs to prove himself at least one more time so that he can be 
Because UFC championship fights are UFC championship fights, yo. Those are fighters that have experience in the UFC, and they have at least had three fights in the UFC to reach uh, a title shot. Uh, great example, um, uh, on the other hand, and when we talk about the flip-flop, is uh, Chris Cyborg, a woman fighter who came from the UFC, had a pretty bad relationship with Dana White before she left, which is kind of why she left. Um, she went to Bellator, and her first fight in Bellator was a title fight, which confused me because why why would that be for a title fight? Yes, and that's basically saying UFC is superior to Bellator, and which to me it really isn't. Bellator has some amazing fighters that I really think that can beat top-ranked fighters in the UFC. But they just didn't have a window of opportunity to reach the UFC or Dana White didn't see the value in those fighters when he first maybe scouted them to say, hey, should this fighter be in the UFC? No, but instead that fighter went to Bellator and thrived in Bellator instead of the UFC, which makes a lot of sense. Michael Venom Page in, the, in Bellator is a great example of that. I think Michael Venom Page could really wet the floor with a lot of the lighter uh, weights, the, a lot of the lighter weight classes in the UFC. I really think he can. Um, so another so that that's Bellator for you, and Michael Chandler coming in from it, and him possibly getting a title shot. Yes, he had an amazing fight against Dan Hooker, but that should not. Um, that, that shouldn't justify him getting a title shot right away after that fight. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to Poirier. Poirier should fight a guy like Oliveira, who, who's earned his way in the UFC throughout the past 10 years and has yet to uh, get a title shot. Um, that would be a great fight because two guys who are technically savvy, who um, has have earned their way to a top spot, it could be Charles Oliveira and uh, Dustin Poirier. Some people say it could be Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. Well, Poirier knocked the snot out of Gaethje in their first fight, so you got to think that Dustin Poirier has the advantage in that regard, but of course anything can happen in a second fight, so maybe that Gaethje and Poirier should be in a title fight, who knows, but everything relies on what Khabib Nurmagomedov does. Um, I'll get to that in a second. Let me tease that little pointer for you as I now talk about Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor! What's up next for him? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Let's think about that one. Uh, Conor McGregor, still, I have a great respect for the man, um, especially the way that he's approaching his fights now. You know, people remember him, especially during his title reigns, that he wasn't the nice guy. McGregor was the the he he was the crap talker. He he was the smack talker. He he did not have respect for many of the fighters he fought. Um, and then you really saw a change in Conor last year when he fought against um, Cowboy Cerrone. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, in which he he won, of course, in 45 seconds. And you saw the nice Connor there, the the humble Connor. People say that he was humbled by Khabib Nurmagomedov. Maybe that's the case, but if anything, that's good. Like, that's a good thing. Like, he should be humbled by a loss like that. But also, my my theory is is that Connor Connor's child, his son, and his younger, I think, daughter, is growing up. And they need a role model in their life. And Conor McGregor understands that. He's going to be that role model. I think he's a great human being when he really does um, act to to that standard of being a role model. Conor McGregor has a lot of respect behind his name because of that. Especially this past weekend of how humble he was to Poirier, especially during the weigh-ins. Um, you know, him you know, accepting the Poirier's hot sauce, uh, which I want to order. I, I'm really actually thinking about ordering Dustin Poirier's hot sauce. I heard it's actually pretty good. Um, 
<laughs> Conor McGregor took Poirier's hot sauce, marketed it himself. Of course, Poirier gave, or um, uh, McGregor gave Poirier a uh, bottle of Irish whiskey, which is the proper 12 whiskey that he uh, he sells. Um, it's actually really good whiskey. I highly recommend proper 12. It's pretty darn good. Um, so just the fact that Conor McGregor was able to handle, even handle the loss so professionally um, and understands what he did wrong gives me more respect towards his name. And uh, McGregor, as down as he is about the loss, he understands that if he starts fighting more often, he can fight towards having the chance to, yes, have a trilogy fight with um, uh, with Dustin Poirier. But what I think is next for Conor McGregor is a rubber match between him and Nate Diaz. Um, a third matchup between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz is definitely necessary to kind of like complete that put that beef aside because I think there's still a little beef there and um, really set aside who's the best fighter between those two men because, uh, yes, they had title shots against each other, but those are really good fights. So that's something that the UFC should definitely consider to rekindle. Um, But, yeah, that's it. That's it for Conor McGregor. Um, Let's talk about um, what was I going to get into here. I I, I was going to talk about how... Just, just the nature of the UFC and how how it's evolved into these kinds of fights being put into fruition. It's quite remarkable how the UFC has done it in the past year, especially considering the pandemic and the amount of respect given between these athletes. You, know, you see a guy going at it, the guys and women going at it for 15 minutes straight, 25 minutes straight. And at the end of the day, they're all, they all respect each other because they give off good competition. And these, these athletes are the reason as to why the UFC is gaining revenue. And this is why that these athletes can put food on the tables for their families. And my respect for the sport over the past three years in the UFC and MMA for that matter has grown exponentially and if you've listened to monday Night sports talk over the years you've noticed that and how combat sports brings people together um you know the good fight foundation is bringing um homes to people who who need it most um bring gives off money to covert relief funds fighters some fighters especially poirier um conor mcgregor gave poirier five hundred thousand dollars for poirier's charity fund that's incredible like, the respect between fighters like that is unmatched from any sport. Because you see people, when you see people actually beating the crap out of each other for a certain amount of time, and then at the end of the day, they hug it out. Like, that's not something people are used to seeing. Because fighting is fighting like you're mad at, each, at someone or you have beef with someone. Um, yes, there is a history of beef in the UFC. And that's what's made certain fights so great, is that beef. You know, um... It, 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 it's like like my favorite beef was Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva because Anderson Silva didn't even know, barely even knew what the hell was going on. Um, but and my and then it became Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. But at the end of the day, they all respect each other because of what kind of competition they offered each other respectively. Um, and then when I go back to the notion or to the point of charities, is that fighting is a sport but it's not a sport of violence it's a sport of giving back and people i definitely think misconstrued that and i want to make the point on this show today because um that's what turns people off of the ufc is that of the violence but at the end of the day 
these these are what these athletes are signing up to do. These are this is what they are doing to put food on the table for their families and to make a life out of it. And it's and because they love the sport and they love the combat nature of the sport. Same thing for boxing. And the fact that you could take this so much and put it towards charitable donations and um, make it a bigger thing than the sport itself makes it even greater, especially during these times when people need it most. So my respect for the UFC is through the roof, even MMA. And um, that's what makes me want to watch these events. It's that. So um, let's talk about the Saturday night pay-per-view stream because uh, at the beginning of the stream people could not have access to it you know paid for the pay-per-view um, I got a refund for my pay-per-view I because I found a loophole I'm not gonna share the loophole with you if you need it let me know but um, it it wasn't that hard to get a refund because I was like yeah I'm not gonna watch these fights if I don't think I'm gonna get the fight in general so I was able to watch the fight too so that was nice um, but at the beginning, People are paying $70 to watch these fights. And for that matter, Conor McGregor brings up... He's already, he got like all top five pay-per-view events. Let's let's look at this. Let's look at the pay-per-view numbers. Let's look at top pay-per-view UFC fights. I'm going to make a Google search on that to, to prove my point even further here. So people are tuning in to watch these fights. Um, in terms of combat sports, these are the top fights ever. Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor on October 6th, 2018 was 2.4 million buy rates. And at $65, two point, let's look, let's do the math here. 2.4 million, 2,400,000. Let's put that in the calculator here times 65. Whoops, I put it, I'm stupid. I put it in wrong. Um, so the point is, there we go. I got the number. $156 million that the UFC made that night. Think about that. $156 million. Obviously, that's not all that they made. They have to have, um, you know, broadcasting fees, um, paying the fighters, etc. But that's nearly $100 million made for the UFC that night. Because of Conor McGregor, people are tuning in to fi- fi- uh, to literally watch McGregor. UFC 257. Guess where that ranks in best pay per view um, buys of all time? Let's look at uh, let's look at the top pay per view buys of all time because it's actually an interesting list. Mayweather versus Pacquiao was 4.6 million dollars. About uh, that was five years ago. That was May 2nd, 2015. And I remember that night. I remember buying that pay-per-view with some friends. And I think that pay-per-view was like $100. So that's like... <laughs> that's nearly $500 million. That's like $460 million that boxing made that night with Mayweather and Pacquiao. But I remember there being so many streaming issues because so many people are buying it. So then you look at... Number two, which I just mentioned, Khabib versus McGregor, $2.4 million. That's that's over 2.2 million buys of a margin between that boxing event to the second ever most pay-per-view bought, most pay-per-view buys per event. So you got Mayweather versus Pacquiao, UFC 229. Then it goes Mayweather versus Canelo, which was on 
September 14th, 2013. That was 2.2 million buys. Um, Then the fourth biggest pay-per-view, the second biggest pay-per-view of all time for the UFC was Saturday night. UFC 257. 1.6 million people bought the pay-per-view for Poirier versus McGregor 2 on Saturday night. 1.6 million. And you had at least more than half of that number complain about not having access to the stream because the average pay-per-view buys for the UFC is around 750,000 buys, which is average. That's insane. You had nearly 800,000 people or groups of people. I hope it's not groups because of COVID. Buying the pay-per-view and not getting access to it. That's a huge problem. That's a massive problem. Even J.J. Watt, who is the defensive tackle for the Texan, for the uh, Houston Texans, bought it and posted on Twitter and said, what the heck, Dana? Do I know what Dana, said? Dana White said earlier in the week? He's cracking down on the illegal streams. And maybe this is the product of such. You're cracking down on so many illegal streams, it trips the system, and it causes for streaming issues because there's so much congestion through the server. That's usually what happens. That's probably a reason why it went haywire, hay- haywire the other night. But people still were able to watch it and enjoy the fight. I mean, really, the first two fights of the card um, weren't that notable. Um, Because usually main card fights without um, a championship bout usually have all five main card fights be really super awesome. But the first two fights weren't that great. The last three fights are the most notable. Um, And people, I think, were still able to watch it. So that's nice. Um, So yeah, 1.6 million people bought UFC 257. That's impressive. I'm really glad I got that stat out. Um, But... The fact that it has that much revenue and that much behind it says a lot for the UFC. So, to that point, I shall uh, concede with UFC 257. I thought it was a great event. I was happy. I'm interested to see where both of these fighters go with Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. What's happening next? Um, But we'll figure that out in time. In time. Let's look at what's up next for UFC events because some... uh, Fights were announced last night. Um, let's look at what's happening next fight night. That is on Saturday, February 6th. So a couple weeks from now, it is going to be Alistair Overeem against Alexander Volkov. That is a main event, heavyweight main event. So which means next week, I will not have a UFC segment because I don't have a fight to really talk about. And so Overeem versus Volkov. I don't really have a fight to talk about this week. But honestly, Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov doesn't seem like a notable fight to talk about. So I might be skipping UFC next week, most likely. And then we got UFC 258 a week later than that on February 13th with welterweight main event Kamar Usman and Gilbert Burns. Then middleweight co-main event, you have uh, Uriah Hall against Chris Weidman. Two great fights right there. And then a women flyweight fight between Macy Barber and Alexa Grasso. Those are the three fights announced for UFC 258 so far. I'm looking forward to see what the next fights is going to be announced for that main card. Then UFC Fight Night on February 20th at the UFC Apex. You got 
um, the rekindlement of Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis, who was supposed to fight last year, but that got canceled because I think Curtis Blades tested positive for COVID. Uh, so that has now been rescheduled. Let's look at UFC 259 on March 6th. Obviously, I got a lot of time to talk about this, but three championship fights are scheduled for that um, that card. First, it's the Bantamweight men's title bout between Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. Then you got Amanda Nunez and Megan Anderson for the Women's Featherweight uh, Championship of the World. And then the light heavyweight main event will be light heavyweight champion Jan Blakovich against um, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya could become um, another man on the list for uh, fighters who have held two belts at the same time. So that will be my that could very well be a very historic night on March 6th at the UFC Apex for that matter. And then um, March 13th is another rekindlement fight between um, Leon Edwards and Kamzat Shmaev at welterweight. And then UFC 260 has been announced as well. Get this. Heavyweight main event, championship of the world, Stipe Miocic against Francis Ngannou that has been officialized. And then you have featherweight co-main event, which is the championship bout Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. So a lot of fights have been announced. And I have so much time to talk about these fights, obviously. But just previewing what we're going to be having to talk about next for UFC. Because it's going to be pretty historic, um, if you may say. So that is that for UFC. What a great conversation on UFC today. Talked about Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker, I don't know where Dan I haven't really talked about Dan Hooker, but he got absolutely mauled. I don't know where he's gonna end up in the standings, but we'll see about that. Otherwise, that should be it for UFC. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, I sometimes I feel like when I talk about UFC, I like miss something or like I'm missing something, but really I'm not missing something because I I don't know. I'm just stupid like that sometimes. Um so yeah, uh, I'm a little sad that you know we don't we don't got to fight this Saturday night after a, a week full of three events. I don't know why they couldn't have had stayed maybe that third event for a, another Saturday night where it could have just been fight night. But I think we got hold on. I think we got a boxing match this upcoming um, Saturday night. Uh, maybe a notable boxing match. Let's look boxing Saturday. What is up on Saturday? Um, so this Saturday night. January 29th, I believe that's Saturday. Yes, it should be Saturday. Um, that is, um, no, Friday is the 29th. That is a heavyweight championship, Char versus Brian. And then you got um, cru- cruiserweight. I've never heard of that. The WBA cruiserweight championship Friday is uh, Shuminov and Murphy. And then um, what else is on? You got Saturday or Friday. Yeah, that those are the boxing. I mean, like, if there's no UFC going on, there's got to be boxing going on, and those are the notables for boxing. Uh, not that I'm going to be watching it, uh, but, yeah. Um, Jake Paul, speaking of which boxing, <laughs> laughed at Conor McGregor after his lessons like, I will pay you $10,000 instead of $50 million to fight you now based off of that performance. A little, little, um, little mean from, uh, Jake Paul and a little bit too confident, Jake Paul, but, uh, nonetheless, still kind of funny. Um, 
Okay, so that is officially the end of Combat Sports Talk. Up next, uh, we have a really good conversation with my former colleague at Radio DePaul Sports, Carlos Rodriguez, not to get you confused with Carlos the Liquid Terminator Rodriguez, who usually calls in to talk UFC. I don't know when he's going to appear next here on the show or if he is going to ever appear next on the show, considering he is going into the military. That's Carlos the Liquid Terminator Rodriguez. Um, but in terms of the other Carlos Rodriguez, this is Radio DePaul Sports. Carlos Rodriguez, who is my former colleague for play-by-play commentary for women's softball and women's soccer at DePaul. Two very, very good programs that we're uh, able to honorably cover. Um, Him and I were recorded on Friday, so um, we'll be talking about stuff that is maybe a little, not really outdated, but we talked about football and our predictions about that. And um, also... We were able to talk about our experience as broadcasters and, you know, the styles of which play-by-play broadcasting um, offers. And it was a really good conversation we had with him. So coming up next is that here on episode 188 of Monday Mass Sports Talk. See you in a bit. Stay tuned. Well, welcome everyone to Monday Mass Sports Talk. I have my good friend Carlos Rodriguez from Radio DePaul Sports and DePaul University. Um, Are you still taking classes at DePaul? No, that's uh, that was it for me this summer. So I am uh, officially a graduate, and uh, congratulations! And very, thank you, thank you. I'm very happy to be graduated from DePaul. I love my time there, but uh, I think uh, there was uh, plenty of time already. Of course, of course, and a lot of that time you spent at, like I just mentioned, Radio DePaul Sports, doing specifically play-by-play coverage. What was your experience like? Because um, you actually won the award for best play-by-play, rightfully so. You're amazing at what you do, especially in soccer, because you and I have both done soccer. Um, what has your experience like been doing that, and um, any fond moments or memories that you've had from it? Yeah, I mean, my experience ranges all the way back to 2011. Um, I, I started as an undergraduate at DePaul in 2011. Um, I immediately joined the radio station, as, as I'm sure a lot of our colleagues, including you, probably did. Like, you know, as soon as you get to DePaul, you look for some for an outlet or a place to really let yourself flourish. And I think that the radio station definitely was that for me. Um, and they didn't even have Radio DePaul Sports at the time, but, you know, I found a way to, to try to be as involved as possible in the broadcast and, and started just doing engineering, going on to more commentary, and finally started doing play-by-play soon thereafter. My, my fondest memories have always kind of revolved around the, uh, the women's soccer program. Um, I, I feel, despite the fact that we're the best country in the world at women's soccer, um, I feel like it doesn't really get the coverage or the respect it's supposed to garner. Um, I agree, 100%. So, you know, when you go up there, there's very little coverage of it, of it, of that team, despite the fact that the team is arguably one of the most solid, more stable programs in the university and in the Big East in, in general. Um, here's a program that, that does things the right way, that, that offers – that always offers a player or, or to like a team that is ready to contend, even if you're not meant to be like a favorite. Um, so I got to see the universe I got to see the, the team go from being a young up and coming team in 2011 to winning the big East uh, all the way up into 2014, 2013. I believe it was like 2014. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, I mean, just, just to see them go from, from, from a young up and coming team to being like the, the class of, of, 
the Big East was was very very gratifying. I got to call uh, one of my favorite calls of all time was a, a semifinal win against Georgetown uh, up in Milwaukee. So I actually had, had the chance to travel with them. I had the chance to travel with them uh, twice to the NCAA Women's uh, Tournament. Um, once to Indiana and once to Wisconsin. They lost both times, but you know, there's there there's a feel to playoffs that it's just incomparable. You know, like you when you're calling a playoff game, regardless of what sport it is, um, it's it, it, it's definitely something you your expectations are just are heightened and you and you're running on so much adrenaline and you're just trying to sound as professional as possible and you know, I still hold so many little memories of both trip of both of those trips. So, yeah, it's been it's been it's been a great experience uh, doing that. But obviously, beside uh, women's soccer, I covered men's soccer. Not as a successful program, but still very fun. Uh, volleyball, uh, softball was I loved doing softball. I mean, especially because DePaul has always been a top team in the Big East. Um, it's 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 been it's been a good ride. I I mean it. It's been a great ride. But I think women's soccer has been the program that, for me, meant the most to me. And the fact that uh, you and I got got a nomination for for an IBS award for a women's soccer game, uh, I think that's kind of the biggest deal for me. That it that it happened because I, I we focus so much attention on the program that often doesn't get any attention, despite the fact that it should. Of course, and I, I agree with you. Every single thing you just said, especially about women's soccer and even just women's sports in general, doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. Um, and to me, especially, I, I sympathize with how you feel about that, about how um, high of an honor it really is to cover women's sports, regardless of the level that 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 it's at, because the, you're just serving the recognition, and that's what they deserve. And I'm also glad that the Intercollegiate Broadcasting Systems Conference, which you just mentioned, the IBS, um, has recognized that. And that makes me proud, especially you, because you're a very, very, very talented play-by-play broadcaster, especially in soccer. And uh, I got to tell you, first and foremost, that it was an absolute honor to share the microphone with you um, doing games, because that was the most fun I had at DePaul, Radio DePaul Sports in particular, um, doing those live games. It was was just a a ton of fun. I mean, I don't think we get the... First of all, thank you for the compliments. I don't think we get the amount of awards at Radio of the Pulse Sports that we do without someone as as committed and as professional as you. Um, and many, and, and I mean, many other people there, but you know, it's a group, have, it's a collective group yeah. effort and that's without that group effort, there wouldn't be opportunities to, to, to do all these awesome broadcasts. Yeah. And, and I think that's what makes, that's what sets uh, the station apart. And I know that this isn't, first of all, this isn't a radio, the podcast, but, no, it is, but um, every, not, nothing, nothing at all is like, I have I've I never looked back at any time that I had a, at both college radio stations that I've had any bad moments any like bad blood it's just everything comes good out of getting involved like I said at the beginning getting right. involved getting yourself uh, um, acclimated especially in college and I I emphasize emphasize this especially when I was a manager at my previous college radio station at uh, Harper College is that. It's not just about doing a radio show or producing or whatever. It's about building and being a part of a community. And that's why I love Radio DePaul Sports so much is because the community and the amount of talented people that we have around us that we could just share the microphone with, that we could uh, spend time with and bounce ideas off of, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's a million people to thank for sure, but mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's uh, if you if you put your time in and energy in, you'll definitely be rewarded for it. Even if not with, even if you don't get an award or anything of it, uh, just the memories are definitely uh, just on their own worth the the time. It's award. It's more rewarding than the award itself. Is mm-hmm. the memories that you get from that and like um, that's. I mean, I could as much as I could put an award on my resume, the first thing I'm going to say to my employer would be is that all the areas I have, all the people that I've worked with, all the connections that I've made are what's most important because I get to build relationships. And that's a strength of everyone, especially in, you involved. And um, uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's what leads me to my next question with you here, Carlos, is um, with this experience that you've had at Radio Paul Sports and just as a person yourself, have you seen yourself – flourish like you the word you use like how much have you seen yourself flourish through doing radio to Paul sports i mean it's funny um i i it's funny that i got the chance to do that uh to do so much play by playing to do so many of those things um i was able to carry a lot of that over to different jobs that i've had there um you know such as doing a lot of fifa uh fifa matches announcing a bunch of fifa matches that's, for the fire before which was so me which was that's, uh which was a lot of fun. I got to say. I love doing I mean, that. If, yeah. If you and I should, we should, you and I should do a Twitch session announcing FIFA games and playing. Do you have like Xbox or something? No, I'm a terrible gamer. I, <laughs> I, I, I use this computer that I'm on for, uh, for civilization. Um, I have, I just bought a, uh, a, an older Pokemon game for my, uh, for my 2DS. Um, so I usually hold on. I, I usually don't play. But How much would that 2DS be worth right now? Uh, not a lot. I think uh, it's probably worth like forty dollars for a whole for a whole system. I mean, I, it wasn't. It's not a whole lot, but save that. <laughs> you know, it's a very you know, classic. I, system. I, I'm, I'm gonna keep one, and I actually have a lot of old uh, Pokemon games that I know run for uh, starting to be in the high double digits, if not more. So I, uh, I, I'm going to use them as much as I can. And eventually if I get something out of them, by all means, but I think I've, I've certainly had my fun with them. That being said, uh, all Pokemon aside, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a gamer, but I really do like calling FIFA games. I, I didn't. Yeah. Think so I what do you get? Do I was going to say, what do you get? Like I, I, I do it myself. I'm not a shit, even with hockey games too, and NHL, um, yeah, sports NHL. Um, but like, it really helps. How has that helped you in like practicing and like, creating uh, a character for yourself doing play-by-play calls yeah i mean a a big part of a a big part of doing play-by-play especially even in different mediums like that it's like it's like transitioning from one sport to another where uh even if you have expertise in one sport uh you can still carry over those skills from one set of one place to another um i've found that just just having the, just getting that confidence from having been on the air at Radio DePaul Sports kind of helps me develop the confidence to do other uh, other sports or other or other media like like for example doing uh, FIFA play, uh, games and a lot of that also uh, a lot of the what comes into get being better is also listening and learning from some of the better play by play personnel ever like it's just you know like I I'm one of the few people in sports who watches specifically for the announcers um one of my my best friend and i always tweet uh, to talk to each other about like what who's not just what's going on in the game because i mean it's pretty obvious what's going on in, in the game if everyone's talking about it on twitter but how 
a game is being called. Analyzed, um, for that matter. Or analyzed or called. I mean, I, I remember, I, I think one of the biggest gripes that ESPN had up until this uh, season with their Monday Night Football coverage is that their announcing team was just unbearable to listen to. Um, they were getting so much flack for it over the last couple of years that when they made a change to someone who really – not neutral, but someone who didn't have the same name, big name, and Steve Levy. Like everyone, everyone saw like saw it as a huge improvement, and they just made the Monday Night Football experience a lot better. And so, as a result of that, you kind of look, you kind of learn about what what makes the 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 announce the call a little better, and you try to apply that to what you've done. You try to apply that to what you're doing, and. All of a sudden, here we are. <laughs> yeah. A little more confidence about uh, about doing play-by-play, regardless of what the sport is or whether it's a live sport or a bunch of video game characters playing each other. And you have yourself some. Uh, you have yourself a lot of fun as a result. Yeah, I mean, even like when you like watch a game, doesn't matter what game you're watching, even if it's like cornhole or something, and the like, people are still announcing darts for that matter. Like, if you just pay attention to the announcers and how they work and, like, how they function, it's really interesting in the dynamics of it. Um, that's why I even myself pay attention to the announcing, of course, for my own benefit as an announcer myself, same as you. Um, and I also even have my inspirations. I love Pat Hughes of the Chicago Cubs. Oh, man, um, yeah. yeah, Len Casper, that's a different story as of right now as he's gone to the White Sox. Um, but, like, who, who are the other um, broadcasters that, or play-by-play analysts? that you look up to? So it's funny you mentioned uh, Len Casper going to the White Sox. I had, I have nothing but love for the entire White Sox team. Thank I mean, I'm, wear, I'm, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a, I'm, I'm wearing a Cubs, Cubs gear. So clearly I'm a Cubs fan, but I really, really enjoy what they've always had. Uh, Mr. Jason Benetti is, is, is incredible. It's an incredible broadcaster. I mean, um, he's done all sorts. He, he does all sorts of sports. He's um, I remember he did a, White Sox Friday night game on a plane to do a, a Saturday uh, game over in Tallahassee for a Florida State football. Then took a plane the same day to uh, the same Saturday to go back to White Sox to call a 7 p.m. Uh, first pitch. And, and also, that, keep in mind, like, these just, guys yeah. have to prepare for like three hours. So yeah. you're thinking that Jason mm-hmm. Benetti on the plane is no. doing his prep work. Yeah, that's the that's, White Sox. that's what makes it even more impressive the fact that you're probably not getting a whole lot of sleep because you have to do a lot of prep. You have to not only you have to be up to date of what the teams are, are doing. You, I mean, this, all of this prep pretty much happens a week earlier. I mean, if you know your assignment with, uh, with, with, with something like college football, you already have to be doing it. But if you have an up to uh, last minute substitution on one of those teams, like a lineup change or something like that, you have to know it. And the fact that he did that and, and managed to, get it done was like pretty impressive. So I've always liked announcers that were like, uh, that were like that. I mean, Kevin Harlan's my absolute favorite of all time. Um, not just for the football calls on, you know, like doing like, you know, I don't know if you remember that one game where there were a cat got into uh, it was a football field yeah, into the football field. And he called the action of the I'm, cat. Going I remember that. I, I remember that. I remember watching a YouTube video of like the, the best announcer moments. And that, that was one of them. Yeah, I mean that's just <laughs> that uh, that was uh, that that's was a lot just, of fun. But that's that, just entertainment. But that, but that, I think that's what at the core of what makes some of these announcers so good is the fact that they enjoy it so much. I mean, it's 
and I, I, I think, you know, you always hear the expression, you know, you, well, something like you love your job and you won't work, you won't work for a day of your life or something like that. I, I can't, I always butcher. If you, if you love your job, you won't ever work a day in your life. You said yes, it. there you go. I yeah. mean, I mean, it goes even beyond that. I think when you show that amount of passion or that amount of enjoyment, it shows quite a bit uh, to the other, to people on the other side. And yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's cool to watch all these, all these guys who are just aware of their place with the team that they're covering. They know mm-hmm. that a lot of these, these announcers recognize that they're not, they're not the center of the broadcast. They are simply bringing you, bringing a picture of what's going on with, with some of your favorite players and favorite stars. And um, that I think is uh, what kind of makes the difference. There's, there's a handful of announcers uh, in, in all sorts of sports that I, I love talking about, but um, I think that would be a discussion for another day because like, I, I, if you name a team, I can probably tell you, like, oh yeah, I like that. I'd be guy. like, oh, I like that guy too. Sheet oh, absolutely. Paper listing the amount of names that you look up to. I have the yeah. same, yeah, I have the same way. I mean, that's just a part of being a broadcaster. And like, I love that you just mentioned that passion drives the workload, you know, especially in sports. Like, you know, you're a kid and you're, you're, you're at a baseball game or you're watching TV and you're, you're, you're imagining yourself being in the, in the broadcasting group, like going to every single game that you love, that you've grown up watching, that you've grown up playing and to be in that spot and, witness history and you're also making it by announcing it and narrating it is something beyond honorable it's just something that i i want to of course do some some someday down the road but um uh it's just when we were able to do it back at radio DePaul sports you get that feeling you know you're narrating something that is historical which is could be a depaul basketball game for instance when i was i i nearly was going to call that to Paul Texas tech game, that in- insane Texas tech game that um, yeah. happened last year between DePaul men's basketball and Texas tech, the former runner up in the, in the national championship. And they won that game 65 to 60, just like imagining myself being that moment and having the opportunity to be there and other wins that I've been a part of. It just makes me special. What other, what like big wins that have you been a part of Carlos um, that made you feel like that, in terms of narrating history, I actually was at the I was at the Texas Tech game, um, and it, it, this isn't me, but it's important. It's, it's funny that you mentioned it. I, I was at the Texas Tech game, um, so I got to. I didn't call it or anything. I was in the I was in the stands as a fan, but I uh, I was there. I got to watch some of our announcers go crazy about it. Um, afterwards, I, I got to listen to both the radio, the Paul Brock, and also the uh, the score. Uh, broadcast with Zach Zaidman, who calls the uh, uh, DePaul games, and mm-hmm. you could he- you could hear it like the the big moments. You could hear the crowd in the back, like you could feel like the emotion of that one moment. So that was so. Again, this goes back to you know you, you know announcers showing off their passion for the game right there and then. Um, that being said, it, it, and again, it goes for me. It also it always goes back to uh, the women's soccer team. Um, mm-hmm. I got a chance, you know, I've gotten a chance to call a couple NCAA, uh, uh, games and they landed in losses, but they ended in losses, but it, it didn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, these teams, you know, get calling the games that let them up to that point, those semifinal wins, the tournament wins in the, in the big East it was such a big deal. It brought, it brought a lot of emotion. Um, I, I actually, one of my last, uh, 
probably my last uh, softball call was uh, Biggie's tournament win in 2019 for the for the Paul, where I they uh, at uh, it was Ryan Witcher. Ro- wait, was it was that game played in Rosemont? Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, it was. It was a Rosemont game, and uh, it was Ryan Witchery's last game. Um, it, he was a graduating senior, and he was a uh, the general manager of Radio DePaul Sports. And this was 2019, so yeah, yeah, keep in mind. yeah. He so he's the he's he's a, he's, he's an amazing guy. By the way, I love that. <laughs> yes. Oh man, he, he's great. Shout out, um, shout out to former manager Radio DePaul Sports, Ryan Witchery. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to him and be like, hey, I uh, win this podcast. We called you out. Um, I got a chance. <laughs> I got a chance to call uh, to call the game with him. Um, and you know, this was a game. It was a back and forth game until like late in the game when, in like to like fifth or sixth inning, when uh, Villanova takes a really big lead. Um, and then DePaul, following that, uh, the big lead that Villanova takes ends up taking putting up seven runs in one inning i believe it was and wins the tournament at home with like a big home run to boot i i didn't do i didn't call that game I actually was doing commentary but ryan was doing play-by-play and it was it was pretty gratifying to see him get the game that he wanted as his last hurrah <laughs> like you could tell that it meant a lot to him to to call a game of a lifetime and really, it, tr- it truly was probably a game of a lifetime for a lot of the players on DePaul softball team, especially seniors, because here's here's a, I mean, here's a here's a comeback win against a really tough opponent in Nova, and in like the, the the greatest fashion you could possibly do, in like a big inning to end it all. And I mean, uh, Witchery went out of his mind. I I there was there was <laughs> one particular there was one particular moment when right before that home run happens when. And again, I, I I should have brought out the the scorecards, but I wasn't sure if we we're going to talk about it or not. When I can, I can uh, bring it up, um, you remember? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll figure it out. I it's, I think it's the Paul Villanova last game of the Big East tournament. But like he, you know, right before I right before this 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 home run happens, I I say I don't know why you're pitching to uh, probably our best hitter here. If you pitch, if you throw a, anything other than a pitch out here. I mean, you're you're gonna suffer the consequences right, for it. Right, right, right. <laughs> if you throw a fastball down anywhere close to the plate, this is gonna go a very long way. Lo and behold, <laughs> DePaul wins um, yeah. because of, because of that. I mean, just to have little moments like that where you know you can apply your experience um, from having seen things like this, from having seen things in sports like where you're like, yeah, you don't throw a fastball to a hot hitter like especially this hitter that I've been watching every single game. Like you just don't throw something down the middle that they're going to be able to hit because you're going to suffer for it. Right. <laughs> and then it happens, you know, like I felt like uh, I've truly felt like Tony Romo there. So uh, that, yeah. that's my Tony Romo. Tony moment. Romo is another great, I mean, yes, former quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And un- honestly, my ultimately my favorite color commentator in the game right now. That's yeah. why I didn't watch the Nickelodeon broadcast of the Bears game a couple weeks ago because you had Tony Romo as color commentator on CBS, and I was like, "There's nowhere I'm going to trade him for watching a game on Nickelodeon." Like that. I I watched the Nick game, and I have to say that Nate Burleson in the commentary role was in was outstanding. That was yeah. probably one of the best decisions they could have made. Yeah, um, I agree. Because, I agree. Yeah, so I really really liked that one. I mean, I watched both broadcasts. Eventually, I kind of 
lost interest in a game that the Bears were clearly going to lose. Um, so I decided to switch over to the Nick game. And I, it, uh, you know what? It, it made a game that was not going to be enjoyable in any way completely enjoyable and definitely worth the, worth the watch. Yeah. I was mentioning um, a couple weeks ago about that Nick game that I really did not like that broadcast one bit in terms of just like – well, I, it's not like I didn't like it. I just thought it was weird. I said it's a slime, yeah, but like is is like you know a, an s bomb. Someone said the alternative word for poop on the field, and it could be leaked onto the broadcast. <laughs> that was Cordero Paris at Patterson. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah, I remember that. Was that was funny. Um, but uh, yeah, but Burleson did a good job of just kind of filtering papering, it out, pa- papering it over, papering it over, and just yeah. moving it along. And, and again, I mean, he, I mean, he was a. Um, he was he was only a, a, a commentator, but it's a, a color commentator. But still, it meant to, it. He clearly felt comfortable in that role, and um, you know, here's the here's the guy who you know for a fact can have that experience to go with. Of course, uh, glad I'm glad that came into conversation because I wanted to see what your thoughts about that. But back to uh, your moment with Ryan Witchery and that Villanova Nepal game. I have the box score right in front of me. It was on. What was the date on that? It was May 11th, 2019. It was an 11:30 game, a nearly three-hour game, where in the sixth inning, DePaul was down nine to three. They score eight unanswered runs yeah. and end up scoring. And then Villanova scores one run in the seventh, but could not catch up. So DePaul wins 11 to 10 to win the Big East. Yeah. Oh man, it it, it um that was an exhilarating game i have to say i mean just being there for it was it was incredible being there for it as it was Wittree's last game and the last game for a lot of seniors on that DePaul team meant a lot because even though this game was sparsely attended it was a it was a cold dreary day i mean it was it was just not when i say yeah. it was a mis- <laughs> miserable weather i mean it it was it was it was like something somewhere in the 40s or 40s or 50s with oh sprinkles, my windy. So let me interrupt you for a second because you're talking about the weather and each box score writes a description of the weather. And this game's description of the weather said literally, eh, a little rainy. <laughs> I mean. And with, I, I, eh, with like three H's, a little rainy. Uh, I Who mean, I, one of my one of the things I have to do is is deliver weather reports to Major League Soccer and one of my other gigs I have, and uh, I wouldn't write that <laughs> just to put and it that way. A little rainy, like a is little that rainy? person taking their so that, that seriously. That hurts my uh, box score, uh, my uh, scorekeeper soul. But regardless, I, I'm sorry. That was just it, funny. It was, it's just yeah, I, it, it is. I'm just like, oh my, that that hurts to listen to. That is cringe-inducing. But I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link to it. Regardless, I think I that, just the fact that it was that kind of day, um, you know, a game that's sparsely sparsely attended because of that. So it really only meant that the, the people that were there were there because they wanted to be there. Like there right. was family members, players themselves, a few of us in the booth. And even though we were technically indoors, we still kept the window open because, I mean, it's just going to sound a lot better that way. Um, man, it just – but it just – it feels so much better to be on the, on, the, on the winning side of a rainy day game like that. Oh, yeah. And um, I remember my first – it reminds me of my first um, ever broadcast. Um, I'm also going to make another name drop, another great guy, and he works for NBC Chicago Sports, and he's also actually made an appearance on Monday Man of Sports Talk, um, uh, Tim Stebbins. And I know yep. you know who he is. 
Absolutely. fantastic guy. Um, I did a game with him. I, have you done a game with him? I, I never got a chance to do it. I think I, I did. Uh, I think I've engineered a couple of his games, but nothing but professionalism from him. Um, and the of fact course. that he's covering, he's covering the Cubs at NBC essentials, exactly the kind of uh, talent that he has. I mean, that's, that's a big beat to have, especially coming straight out of college. college right. I mean, he, he, he's, 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 met, he's met for big things. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if like somewhere down the line, like five, Someone listening to this five years from now knows Stubbins with the same name recognition as the Jesse Rogers the or new, Patrick yeah. Mooney, like the you know, new like Stephen a, a. Smith. Oh God, I hope not. Not for, really for his did. sake. Not for him. For his sake, I just hope he becomes just just another. You know, someone more <laughs> widely respected like Ken Rose. I love you, Tim. Not just a big I'm boys. never going to ever compare you to Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith is Stephen A. Smith. He's uncomparable. Um, but yeah, so I, was, I remember the first ever play-by-play broadcast I did was back in, I think, the spring of 2019, if I'm correct. I did a, a DePaul women's softball game, and it was an 11-inning. I, I forgot. I think it was 11 innings, extra innings, and it was like a four-hour game, and it was 15 degrees with a wind chill. And it was it's, it, 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 actually, it started at 25 degrees with, like, freezing rain. I don't know how it was freezing rain at 25. I don't know what that – it was like sleet. But I did not prepare at all. So I was just cold as all heck. Yeah. And we ended up winning 7-6 to six in extra innings. So um, just that to be my first ever broadcasting experience was a little off-putting. But at the same time, very cool just because, you know, that's the experience. That's, you know, uh, how it really works. But my first soccer game was with you. I remember that. Um, and I was, I was absolutely terrified going to try soccer because I didn't think that soccer would be that easy to commentate. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it can be hard, um, especially if you don't, if you're not as familiar with it sometimes, but I mean, I, I can tell you from my experience, from having done it with, uh, from having been a, f- a rookie going out to my first soccer game, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have is still going to be that first, the first game is going to be full of jitters. Um, but ultimately it's up to your, your teammates to kind of help get you up to a place where you feel a lot more comfortable with it. And I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I, I, all I can remember is you, you doing rather well, despite the fact that you felt nervous or, yeah. or different, but I, thank you. I, I never, I never felt like it, like the, I was terrified. Like the broadcast struggled because you were there. So, I mean, it, it didn't. So, that made it a whole lot better. Yeah. And also we were sitting in the nice air conditioned warm booth. So that oh, was nice. Man, yeah, absolutely. That was very nice. Um, okay. So while we're on the conversation of you and I doing a women's soccer game together, um, I want to kind of recap uh, the game that you and I did together that has awarded us an award by the intercollegiate broadcasting systems conference for best play by play commentary broadcast. Um, it was a game on November 1st, it was a Friday. It was actually supposed to be on October 31st, but because there was a snowstorm in Chicago on that Halloween day, which was very unexpected, um, the game was postponed to that Friday. And uh, you and I were supposed – I think you and I were supposed to call it the same, the same uh, positions in terms of play-by-play and color commentary. Um, I remember that morning I was desperate to find an extension cord Ten minutes before the broadcast started, I sprinted to my dorm room, which was about a two-block sprint, back to my dorm, 
got my roommate's extension cord. Didn't even ask him because I we needed it. And I sprinted back and about five minutes to spare. We uh, were able to get uh, the extension cord broadcast up and running. So um, I literally now reminiscing about that day, remember that moment. That was a very cool moment. And just to have that broadcast we had um, was absolutely spectacular. I might find a way to post that broadcast somewhere if I could find it. Um, but um, do, you, any, do you remember anything from that day? Yeah, I I, uh, I remember I remember that rush to try and get an extension cord. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. It was, I was bad. Exhausted. That being in. said, I I I have um I have a I have a wealth of experience from doing stuff like that before, where um, I run into complications last minute, or I I show up to the games a little later than I should just because of for, for different. Uh, circumstances the day as a matter of fact the day that we called a DePaul Wisconsin game in in Madison I got there late by a couple minutes simply because of that, of the drive there which halfway through my way to Madison it started snowing so uh, I show up late and by the time we get to Madison it's just like a good six inches or so on the ground there and of course Jeez. it takes forever to drive through Drive through a city you've never been to. And you don't want to speed through Wisconsin. I know that for a second. Yeah, I mean, it was, you don't want to speed in the snow in a, in a city that hasn't been shoveled yet. Uh, so that's just what it was. I mean, it it was a it was a very random there. So it's like one of the few times I've called a soccer game in the snow, and that was it didn't end well for the Blue Demons. And I got there late, and it was like a big stress factor. But you know, we got it done. But you know, experiences like that make it so that. The fact that we don't have uh, that we jump on the broadcast five minutes prior, it, it, it surprisingly enough, that kind of brought me a little peace in the sense that like I've been there before, I've done this before. This is something that we've happened. I'm prepared enough for this broadcast where I can kind of, if for some reason we we come on onto this game after it started, I'm sure we can get it together. And I mean, it started off smoothly as a result of that. Um, I never felt. Like it was, I mean, if we had shown up to the stadium, it would, wouldn't have been great for the rest of the people there. So I would have felt terrible about that. But it just, you know, we could have shown up a minute earlier or, you know, a minute before game started. And I think we could have had just a, as good a uh, broadcast. And I think uh, that's, a, that's an accumulation of experiences that many of us have had where we were just right. able to do that. Yeah. That, um, oh, crap moments. Oh, yeah. The old crap moments. That's that's what I like to call them. But like I said, the alternative word for poop is the the word I tend to use. But I'm not going to say it on this kid kid friendly sports broadcast here. So I want to remind you guys, you're listening to Money Mass Sports Talk here, the 188th edition of such. I have here on with me former colleague at Radio DePaul Sports, play by play analyst, um, partner, and amazing guy Carlos Rodriguez. Um, so any last words before we move on to just regular sports talk for a few minutes uh, about your time at DePaul and um, uh, doing play-by-play commentary? I think th- I, I don't necessarily have anything more to say about my experience there simply because it, it, it was a good one. I have nothing but good things to say about everyone at the station there. Um, but I think it, it, it's I, I definitely implore for people to – uh, that that are looking. If any, if there's any young listeners out there, or any people who are interested in in college radio, radio, just to make an effort to be involved um, in any way that they can, even if it's not play by play right away. Because honestly, there, two things are going to happen here. If you get involved, 
you're going to learn a lot about production. You're going to learn a lot about all everything that goes to put a broadcast together. And the second thing is you're going to fail a couple of times. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to say things on the radio that you shouldn't say. Uh, <laughs> um, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but all of those definitely help you improve along the yeah. way. Um, I, you know, I, I never thought that I was going to be nominated for an IBS award. It just wasn't something that I um, considered in my time there. I really, when I came back to the Paul after a very long time away from it, um, I, I went back simply because I really enjoyed radio and doing play-by-play -play and, 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 it, and, and eventually, I mean, the fact that the, the award happened or a nomination happened was just, it was just gravy on top of just getting the chance to come. So just if, if anybody is out there and wants to get involved, just, uh, you know, just make whatever effort you can to be involved in any way you can, regardless of whether it's production or commentary or, or play by play or just being around on the marketing team, whatever, you know, like they just, mm -hmm. just be there. And before you know, you'll start learning from people and leadership and just make your way up to the top. And next thing you know, you have uh, yourself a podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple podcast or any other place where you can find it like Monday Madness. Of course. Thank you for the plug there. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say before we transition to uh to the next uh to the next uh, segment or the next topic at hand, I listened to 187 um what to interview with uh with Jake Berger. Um, wow, thank you. I, I'm 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 a little intimidated by following up <laughs> following up such an interview with with uh no with you're me. doing no come um on. come on you're. Top fact to follow, but no, I don't consider that. Everyone is treated equal here at Money Man at Sports Talk, and you, you've been for, for today and what you know we've already talked about. It's been so much fun. So don't no, don't be intimidated. I will say, I think, I think, uh, I think uh, Jake Berger made it easier because he's, and again, it's one of those things you don't realize until you hear them in such a capacity. I mean, he's he was such a short of saying down to earth. He just seemed like a guy that you know. I don't know. I don't know how to like you know like I don't know how else to explain it as other than like you know here's a it's just a guy that you know lives down the street from you like you've known and it just it just feels like that like a like a like a friend for many years only that he is a, the probably the most promising prospect in an already very promising a White Sox system. Like just, wow, yeah. No, I, mean, I really appreciate the kind words there. And uh, first of all, appreciate you listening to that broadcast. But uh, first and foremost, to your first point, um, no one has inspired me more in terms of what I love doing and, and like has helped me, has helped my drive than you have in terms of play-by-play -play broadcasting and doing play-by-play -play at Radio DePaul because um, you're, you're amazing. You're an amazing guy, and um, I love that. I love that I had to get to experience that with you, and um, it's just awesome. But yeah, and, and like those are the down to earth people that like, you know, I I love, you know, experiencing new content with new knowledge with, and that's why people such as yourself is on this show, and um, it means a lot to me uh, for people to share their experiences with me and with the audience and um it definitely inspires people and jake Berger's instance you know with his injury specifically um i asked him the question last week about 
Um, are you going to utilize your story as an inspiration to other baseball players who go through such a severe injury? In his case, it was his Achilles tendon. Um, I don't know if you, you followed that, but um, he was going through a pretty tough time through those two years. And, you know, having that and having someone open up to you like that um, about something that was so hard for them to a guy that barely I know, um, of course, I talked to Jake beforehand and um, made sure that he was comfortable talking about certain things. But just be, to, to become open about that shows how professional you are as a person. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a uh, – my my girlfriend suffered a similarly devastating injury, uh, leg injury, um, and the recovery was very, very tough. So listening to him talk about it reminded me a lot of the – the hardships that were faced were, you know, like, here's my, uh, here's my girlfriend who is not anywhere close to that athletic or, 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 or famous. Um, and here's a, a potential breakout star in major league baseball. And both of them sound, have a very similar story in their recovery and their, and their struggles. And it, it you know, it, it brings home the idea that, and I think, I think, I think either you or Caesar brought it up, uh, brought it up. Uh, like it just brings home the idea that, you know, these are, these are, these are just guys. These are just human beings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I brought it, no, I we, brought we, that we, up in a question about their relationship and how, you know, a, yeah. a professional athlete can become such good friends with a random fan that just shows support. Because when you're going through such a hard time on social media, you have that one guy who's really hyping you up, you know, you want to be surrounded by that positive energy, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, continue what you were saying. No, yeah, I mean it's it's it was a sorry I got uh, no no you were good. I, I had I had a had a bit of a uh, technical difficulty there. Um, no, I sometimes yeah, so, good. That you know, sometimes my camera uh, likes to stop working or stop saying that it works and and I don't know I I think I should make an upgrade. Um, anyway, as I was saying, sure. it's it's um it, it, it certainly helps to know that these these guys who were meant for not not necessarily bigger things but meant for to do some really really fun and famous things in the near future uh have have similar struggles and kind of have the same feelings about it you know it makes them a lot more human and you know i i feel like i have someone to root for when when time comes um and you know i go back to uh i mean i call it the cell i don't know I, it's guaranteed rate field or go back to guarantee calling it the field. cell i'm calling it the cell it doesn't yeah, no, it doesn't I, change i mean that's just how i grew up calling it like going back to the cell and it's like for, it's for, like calling the serious tower the willis tower the serious tower um yeah i mean that's just i'm just gonna keep calling it that um but going back there and uh i i hope there's still dollar dog wednesdays after all of all of this is said and done because <laughs> I, I mean i mean it's it a the fact that dollar what? wednesday hot dog yeah, I I mean I had it made, man. I would go up to the to the upper deck for eight dollars and have like dollar dogs on Wednesdays, and boy, that would, all those summer nights are things that I miss dearly, and I haven't experienced in a very long time due to the current situation that we have um, at hand. Um, but now I know that if for some reason I get a chance to do that again uh, next year or or two years down the line, whenever Jake comes up, I have someone to root for. I have someone to tell my friends like, hey. This guy, uh, he's not very different from us. So I, I think that's cool, and I'm, I'm glad you brought him on. I, I'm glad that made for a very good listen. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot, and um, I, I think you could, you said it really well. And that, um, uh, it, and people definitely, 
and this is a great conversation to um, lead us into talking regular sports is, is that people look at professional athletes as just professional athletes and not as much human beings. Um, and this past week, especially, and I'm going to use uh, Patrick Mahomes injury first. Uh, you, you know how Patrick Mahomes got injured in the divisional round. Um, well, who, who do they play against the Browns, right? If, I don't know if you pay attention to the NFL yes, playoffs. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They, they, they did. They played the Browns. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an unfortunate hit. Yeah, got a, and... so he got a concussion. So, you know, when you – and, yes, the playoffs are high stake, and, you know, an injury like that really makes a difference, especially it's Patrick Mahomes, you know, former MVP, you know, won the Super Bowl this past year, the, the last year, um, gets a concussion, might be out this upcoming Sunday. But I have, you know, people who I know that are saying, hey, you know, I have bets on this game for the Bills to win. Thank goodness that he's not playing. And that really hurts me. It hurts me that people say that because, like, they don't really recognize the humanity aspect of sport and that people – you shouldn't want to win against someone who's – or a team that is not as good because they have a player injured. It's not, it's not good. Like, you know, I don't like to see players injured. It's just I don't like that aspect of the sport. I don't know why you had to think about that. When Dak Prescott went down, I actually got to watch that, uh, the injury uh, live. Uh, when he, uh, he had a pretty traumatic injury. Uh, when Dak Prescott went down, my thoughts immediately went to, oh, man, that rehab, this rehab's going to be – first of all, I hope there's no complications in surgery. Second of all, that rehab's going to take a while, and it's going to yeah. be – Arguably, it's probably going to be the, the, the hardest thing uh, Dax ever had to do before. I mean, you you don't realize how how hard rehab and and surgery and all of these things can be until you experience them. Now, I unfortunately have not experienced them, but I have been. I mean, the closest person I'm with has experienced this. I've had to be there day by day to help with the recovery mm-hmm. and to help with of course. very seemingly simple things that you don't think about like such as you know getting up to get water getting up to getting up to get water just having to turn over from one side of the bed to the other i mean when you have struggles with something as simple as that i mean that's that's tough and so you know like when i was when i was watching that the whole time i was thinking like oh my gosh next couple of weeks are going to be hell for him it was just it's it's not it's not cool to watch so i mean i i don't know i i'm never a big, i i'm never a fan of injuries even if they come at the expense of a team i don't necessarily like of course yeah and i mean let's say yeah as a chicago bears fan if i see aaron Rodgers get injured um, it's gonna hurt like it hurts to see a guy go like don't go down like that like i mean as much as i you know don't like the green packers fan base i'll still feel bad for them because you know like, that's not supposed to happen. That's not a natural – I mean, it's a natural part of the game, but that's the natural part of the game that you don't like to see on either side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I just like to make mention of that. So, um, when we're on the conversation of the NFL playoffs, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, I would uh, – considering Patrick Mahomes is back, I would say probably probably the Chiefs. I, I, I find it hard to believe. I mean, set aside – uh, Patrick Mahomes for a while. I think the the Chiefs have a great system in place, and it's and a and a system that plays complementary football. I think right. they, they they this is a team that can play off each other of each side of the ball. Synergy uh, defense playing complementary football to the offense. Even the special teams works really really well. 
um, you know, a team that's strong in the in in the trenches, where oftentimes, which oftentimes gets overlooked. Um, so I I, I wouldn't say that it's them. I would not like to see the Packers win. That being said, they're 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 a very 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 good team. Um, if there is one team that can beat any of the teams we mentioned before, it's the Buccaneers. Uh, it's because of the one man that they that they just got this this off season. So, who knows? And and I'm I ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's he's uh he's the greatest of all time for for a good reason. I think he's proving it this year as well. Antonio Brown also greatest of all time. If he wins just two kidding. more, if he wins two more games, I don't think there's a doubt left. There's doubt left. I, 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 I don't uh, know. My dad and I it's were having this conversation games. last night. He asked me, "What's the greatest football player you ever think left?" Well, it depends. Like. You talk about quarterbacks, most likely it's going to be a quarterback, but then you talk about wide receivers, we'll talk about wide receivers because football is a very positional game. Like every single position has its own, you know, it, it has its own job to it. Right. So, um, you know, as a quarterback, yeah, you look at Tom Brady's career and his accomplishments, there's no other way of saying, like, he's probably the greatest of all time. And we get to witness history. So I'm honestly hoping that Tampa Bay wins, but I do expect Green Bay to, to pull through in that game. Yeah, it wouldn't be sur- actually. You know what? The the least surprising thing for me would have be if the Bills decided to run the table in the next two games, just because they've 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 gotten hot at the right time. And I don't know, just just have just seeing Josh Allen develop into an actual quarterback instead of just the yeah, the athletic type is uh is it has definitely made has correlated well with their success. Keep in mind to the listener, um, this is being recorded on Friday night, uh, so we have no idea of what happened. And, and, of course, the podcast is being posted on Monday, so we have no idea what's happening this upcoming Sunday. So you, you're not going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, these guys are stupid. The Packers already won. Or yeah. Something I, like that. So yeah. just making sure our listeners know that um, – this is being recorded on Friday, so we're making our predictions based on what we know now. I, I think you according should. According to I, my time travel experience I had earlier today, I tra- I time traveled to the future. I got the Packers won and the Chiefs won by a little bit. I, I think we should. Uh, you should just post me saying that, and then just editing and post like what the actual things happened were in that thing. I'm sure I'm gonna sound like if it does, yeah, it's it's gonna be great. All of my picks, I, I, I always root for the teams I pick on my podcast so that people are be like, oh, wow, this guy, Noah, he, he, he got it right. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I don't make picks because I'm often shown to be wrong. So that's, uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I'm a sports better. So not, not a severe sports better. Like, I'll, I'll throw in $5 for a game here and there. But um, that's just fun. That's just the fun part about it. But my money is on uh, Kansas City to win, of course, barring Patrick Mahomes' return. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Kansas City both ways. Uh, let's talk about something else that you uh, wanted. We wanted to talk about here is the Premier League soccer. Um, I talked about it last week on last week's show. Uh, still, Manchester United is atop the tables, but not by much. By like what two points in front of Manchester City and about five points in front of Liverpool. So it's a really, really tight race in the Premier League. Um, what do you have to interpret about what's happening there? It's probably the most fun we've seen, or most the fun season we've seen in recent years, simply because there's no clear two teams that are definitely going to run away with this league. Um, one of the issues with a team with no, with a, with a league with no salary cap, is that you're you're usually down to maybe 
two, three, four tops in in terms of teams that can will do anything any given season. Right. And I think the 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 league has done well to grow enough where they're able to grow beyond just four teams because traditionally it's always been, you know, it's always been Manchester United, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, eventually Man City. Um, uh, Definitely Man, City, Man City came up, uh, you know, after the the Sheik, the Sheik Mansour mm-hmm. deal, um, um, so, and obviously then there's been a couple other teams on the periphery that have since gotten a whole lot better. Um, so it's been a whole lot. It's been a lot more fun, and I think this helps. I think all the parity certainly helped bring a few more fans over from this country and from many others. I mean, the some it, it's hard to believe considering the 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 global nature of the game, but it did, but the league has only made a lot more money has only expanded in growth in different markets ever, you know, in the last decade. I mean, it's, this has been probably the sports entity short of the NFL that you want to follow in terms of val- of monetary value, just the, the huge amounts of money that are going into it. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I think the season is making it a lot more fun. It hasn't been a lot of fun for a lot of traditional powers per se. Um, for a Which few, is like a Arsenal, Chelsea, yeah, for some, for some at least. Uh, Newcastle. But, yeah, but they're it, but all it's still, like not. Yeah, they're they're all not doing well. But it's still like you know, like you're 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 still even if you're even if you're a fan of Chelsea like I am, you still can't help but 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 it, but enjoy the chaos at the top of the of the table, right. or even in the middle of the table too. I mean, well, really, think about it this way: Chelsea is only eleven points out of first place, and you got eight, seven other teams in front of, them, so they could be a part of this mess anytime soon yeah i mean what hurts them too what hurts them is that they have they don't have any games in hand on several other teams but yeah i mean it's as far as we know any one of these teams could have one series injury and then we have a we have a drop from the from the top i mean last season last season for despite the fact that it got um that it was impacted by by co by by covid the the league ended in such a fun format like it 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 was nonstop watching for some for so many people, and yes, I mean, I, I think people knew what was going to happen with with Liverpool. Everyone knew they were going to win. They were just too far too they far. They were like ahead of twenty the group. points in front with like five games remaining. Yeah, I mean, there, there was no there's no doubt what was about what was going to happen, but the fact that there were so many intriguing races up and down the table, I mean that that that's what made the the restart such a fun thing to watch. I mean, you. You had teams like uh, you had Manchester City looking like it was at a crossroads. You had Manchester United coming out of its post Alex uh, Sir Alex Ferguson hole to reach third place by the end of by by the final weekend. Chelsea, despite having had a player ban, a player transfer ban, finishing fourth, and a lot of other teams in the periphery who weren't supposed to be there um or who are succeed or succeeding you know the, right. the 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 uh wolves the the sheffield united well last season sheffield sheffield united because this season they've fallen off the off a cliff um you know like all these teams who are doing really really good things uh some great players coming out of places like southampton with danny ings with right uh like uh jack Grealish with uh with villa i mean it's yeah villa i i, I always forget Aston if it's villa, villa. I always forget if it's Villa yeah. or West Ham because they have the same uniform. So I was oh. Like, I oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm going to look it up so I won't be wrong. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you're For looking sure. at individual – we're looking at individual um, – yeah, it is Aston Villa. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, 
you're looking at individual performances, you're looking at, at collective performances, you're looking at teams doing all that they possibly can to, to stay alive or teams to trying to make it to the European stage for a little more money. I mean, it's champions it, league is the most uh, notable. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, even if you don't make uh, champions league, you still make it to Europa and you still yeah, have Europa, a yeah. With that. Yeah. Right. Um, so you still, you, you have, you have reasons to play for, even if it's the last game of the season, like if, even if it's the last week, you'll see oftentimes in, in major league baseball and NFL last week of the season, certain teams just have absolutely nothing to play for. And we have the spectacle of, of, of Nate Sudfield coming in to play quarterback for, <laughs> for the Eagles with a spot uh, for uh, with the spot in the, uh, for the, for the top of the NFC East on the line. I mean, it's just, but uh, the, the top of the NFC East is nothing to brag about. Yeah. And exactly like, uh, you know, nothing to brag about, but everyone was mad about the fact that the Eagles decided to play, to play for nothing. Right. Um, yeah. You, you don't get that in the, in the premier league. You get teams that have something to play for, whether it is a spot, a spot at the top, or spot, or trying to avoid a spot at the bottom, and then even, yeah, yeah, trying to avoid rele- relegation. Yeah, people don't know that the top, the the bottom. There's 20 teams total, so the the bottom three teams, the 18, 19, and 20, get regulated to uh, down, and then the top three teams in what other league? I forgot. Yeah, is it, so it's it's the uh, bottom three in the in the Premier League get dropped to the Championship. The top three in the Championship get get pulled up, and right now. And and right now, again, I said I said I mentioned Sheffield United because they they were a great story last season. At some point, with a couple weeks to go, they were in a place to go to the Europa League. Actually, they were in a place to go to the Champions League, which is the most, which would have been again one of the most remarkable stories in in in, in English Premier League history, short of. Leicester City. Leicester City. The Leicester, yeah, the Leicester City one was ridiculous. That's I mean, probably that, the craziest it, story. It would have been almost as good, if not better, um, a, a story, which which seems incredible to think about. But to, keep it, been, to keep in mind, right now, as we speak, Sheffield United is in last place in the Premier League with five points. Oh, one, they're, they're, two and 16. If, 16 there's one, if there's one lock I can make, uh, it's that they're going to be dropped. Because honestly, last season, they probably should have they they didn't have the collective talent to really do anything in the league. They should have dropped. The fact that they had the remarkable run that they did was already pretty incredible. Um, and now they're and now they're they're down in uh, and now they're down. And I think where they're supposed to be, the two teams that that were promoted last season, two out of the top three teams that got promoted last season are also in the relegation zone. I'm certain one of those teams that are left the Fulham or West Brom is probably going to drop. I like Fulham's recent form. They have tied a lot of really strong teams uh, recently, so I don't know if they're going to drop, but who knows? I mean, it's still early in this. I mean, we're we're past the halfway point, but it's still so early. You don't you know you don't you don't get decision day. That last weekend of the season determines so much because so many teams are still in it at the end of it. Every right. like I said, so many teams have so many things to play for and. Who knows what's going to happen? That being said, we do have a lot of storylines to 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 talk about in the Premier League, and Manchester yeah. United is at the at the top of it for sure for a good reason. For, yeah, they have a lot of depth, and that, that you, you you mentioned with Chelsea, you know, one guy could get injured, and then the season's basically like a draw, and then you got teams like Manchester United, you can have like one Premier striker injured, and then you you just have another guy in, in the line that that can really fill his spot. 
I mean, last season was the story uh, for Manchester United. It was the story of Bruno Fernandes coming out of nowhere. I mean, not, yeah. not, not, not out of nowhere, but Bruno coming, Fernandes, on, coming, yeah, coming, oh coming onto the team um, from abroad. Like, and not a whole lot. Of, to be honest, I, didn't, I honestly didn't really expect anything from him because I thought of him as kind of a bit piece or more of a role player um, kind. I, I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't – a lot of people were – join me in that you know he was coming from sporting a, a definitely a player that has featured in the portuguese national team and then he comes on to Manchester united and 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 plays at the level that's that the the bruins or the salas are, are are playing at and that suddenly brings brings Manchester united up to third place in, at the end of last season with much more to promise to come this and then season they play terribly in the champions league Right. Well, <laughs> it, it's it's a different story sometimes. That's how it goes right. at, at times. But then this season, it becomes a story of of, uh, of the revitalized players that they already had. I mean, Paul Pogba is playing to the levels where he was playing at Juventus previously. I mean, that that that's that is. I mean, it was at the time when they picked him up. He was probably one of the most expensive midfielders of all time, if not the most expensive. I can't remember. It was in the ninety million dollar let, me see, let me see what his worth is that's a good question um, or at least at least his, his market value at the time they they bought his they bought him for about i want to say about 90 million or so um just an expensive incredibly expensive player so in united states dollars his market value is 71.5 million yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's that's it's, ranks three amongst all players at of manchester united yeah I mean, so he's not uh, even the most paid I mean that might be that might be because I'm gonna try to find uh, his transfer value now because that's ultimately what determines what the value is. I mean, yeah, he was. Um, I was. I'm thinking. I think I'm thinking of uh, of of Virgil Van Dyke. But yeah, that 71 million dollar mark right now that people will have to pay that teams would have to pay just to earn the rights to sign him. That all happens because he, you know, he was kind of thought of as a big disappointment. And all of a sudden, this season, he brings it on. He, it's something clicks, and he's playing at the level where he was playing at back when he was at Juventus. And that can mean a lot. If, if, if a player is, 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 is performing up to his abilities, that can lead a team to, to greatness. You know, you, so you go from one player like Bruno Fernandes bringing a team back to relevance to a player like Polka bringing a team to the top. Um, so that that's kind of been the story. That's kind of been the story of 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 the season so far for them. I yeah, mean, I agree. It, it's, and it's, Bruno it, Fernandez has been absolutely phenomenal as well. Yeah, yeah. Just going back to the regular to the regular uh, level of play that we've seen since he's joined Manchester United. Uh, but you know, like I said, having such an important or such a big part of your your team suddenly play up to its to its promises. I mean, that's that's what that's what drives championship teams sometimes. Right. Um, yeah, I 100% that, agree. That being said, what's funny, what's funny about the league is that they're not even the, they're not the hottest team, despite the fact that we think of Man U going to the top as the hottest team. The hottest team right now is Manchester City. Um, right, you're right. Manchester City, they're, they're what past? They're two points down with a game in hand. So they if they if they if they catch up to them, they would take first place with with ease. I mean, they yeah. they they have been the machine that we expect them to be year in year out with the coach of the man with the with a manager with the pedigree that the Pep Guardiola has and every they just keep finding it's like what's incredible to me is that they keep finding they keep finding key players in 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 weird places 
and then come and coming up whenever they need them to, you know, like they had a couple of uh, center backs gone for the Chelsea game a couple weeks back and, and they just fill in some slots. They didn't care. They, they filled in some, uh, some still roles performed. in the middle. They still performed. I mean, it, it, this is a team that's so uh, a finely oiled machine. If I had to possibly put money on any team winning the premier league, I would say them simply because of what they've done. They also have, I, I, like you said, the game in hand is very important. Yeah, I mean, and you never again. You never know what's going to happen in the league. I think it's too early to make prognostications. Yeah, I, next I, thing you know, West Ham comes in from the gallows and wins. They're in seventh place. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't have any hope for West Ham to do anything, but they're in seventh place <laughs> I'm now. Just and... Using them as an example, yeah. No, it, it's this thing. That, <laughs> that's the thing about the Premier League, though. Is like you've mentioned this also at the beginning of this conversation. Is you could be in tenth place one day. And then in, t- in the top five the next day or the next week, um, it, it's it's that close. And, you know, it's three points for a win, one point for a draw. Anything can happen. Right. And and I think that, that again, speaks to the quality of the league. It speaks to the quality of the players found within. Um, there's always the chance that, that, you know, you have teams that are, don't, are just mid-table teams that suddenly – play up to the potential of the team yeah. that they're playing against. And next thing you know, there's an upset in the win. My favorite of these teams is Crystal Palace. Uh, <laughs> it's just, they, they always, every single year in, year, out, year in, year out, they come up with some of the, with, with, with upset victories over teams that need the result. So you have, you, you, you every year you have, uh, you have a team playing Crystal Palace to completely underrate them. And all of a sudden Crystal Palace pulls away. With Wilfred Saha just like just just scoring a brace along the way, and everyone there left dumbfounded. So, for any team at the top of the league, regardless of of the pedigree, regardless of whether you're you're Manchester United or Man City or Liverpool, pitfalls like Crystal Palace remain. Um, and mm-hmm. and I think that's what you know that's that's the beauty of everything. I mean, you you hear the the phrase "any given Sunday" in football, and the same holds true for uh, the Premier League. Right, exactly. Wow, you you uh you got you got some good knowledge on Premier League. You you just impressed me over the past ten minutes over that conversation. Yeah, if we had more time, we'd probably go through every single country in Europe. <laughs> and we can we can uh, uh, we can talk about that. Well, as well now. Quickly, what's your other favorite league in in Europe? Um, I I follow the Italian league for. I mean, it, it's been kind of a the one, Series one A team. Teams. Yeah, Serie A has been kind yeah. of a one one-man team, but it's getting a little more exciting, a little more closer. The German league is actually where a lot of American Bundesliga. fans. Yeah, the Bundesliga has been a lot of fun. There's, that was um, my first ever professional game I went to was a Bundesliga game. What uh, what game did you see? Actually, it wasn't really, but it was uh, International's Cup. It was um, Bayern Munich versus AC Milan at Soldier Field. Yeah, I was there. I was working that day. Uh, I was working that game that day, so that was fun. Uh, when I went uh, to a shootout, I was right behind the net. When I, I went from, like, my – nosebleed seats and I snuck down right behind the net during that shootout. And what's funny is that both teams were playing their pretty much their C teams because it was still preseason. But the you know, a lot of these C teams are made up of academy kids and, and new signings that are trying to find their place on their team. And the only way they're gonna impress their managers is if they play well in these games. So it doesn't matter whether it is a preseason game or not, because you still have players who care. It was like, a lot I, of fun. It was... I remember a year after, uh, a year following that, it was uh, it was Borussia, or maybe a year prior, it was Borussia Dortmund against uh, against Manchester City, and I think it might have been a year prior. 
Um, and it, obviously, everyone everyone had their eyes on on Christian Pulisic and everyone and everyone in Manchester City. But the, one of the players that impressed the most was a, a young English kid named Jadon Sancho. Ooh, okay. Who I mean, who was basically in the third team of of of, of Borussia Dortmund, and next thing you know, he beats out uh, Pulisic for his spot on the on the first team. And becomes one of the most highly sought after uh, wingers in, in in German football and, and obviously English football. So anything can happen there. Even preseason games matter to some degree. Um, I love that about them. I love the fact that so many American players are going to the German league because they're they, there's a definite pipeline there because because players in in, in this country are taking risks to play um, there in Germany to leave everything behind here and play in Germany. And right. they're doing really well. Like Matthew Hoppy right now, he's uh, played, scored five goals in three games and promises to do even more, even though no one had heard of him maybe two weeks ago. Whew. I also went to the um, MLS All-Star game at Soldier Field. That was fun. That, that, that was, was fun. That was, that was fun too. They, uh, uh, well, Real of, Madrid. Yeah, lots of promising. Uh, the, lots of I got games. to see Luka Modric. That was fun. Yeah, I mean um, Christian Bale. I mean, Not Christian he, Bale. He's in, he's the actor. Uh, uh, Gareth, I think you meant uh, Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale. There you go. Yeah, he's in, he's the Tottenham now, so that's another storyline down there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, listen, it's um, I, I implore anybody listening to 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 this broadcast if you ever get a chance to go to a soccer game, regardless of what games. league it is or or it's league it is, what team it is it's it's worthwhile because you see any player on that team is has a reason to play the game and has a reason for why they're doing well and every even if you're in the in the in the dog days of summer at least in mls uh if you're in the dog days of summer in like the middle of the season like with with you know it's still not it's not opening week it's not the last week of the season the for jockeying for playoff spots even if you're in the middle of it of the season, you still have teams playing for something. And right. I think that means a lot. Um, I think that means a lot, and I think that's what kind of makes the game so fun and so important. And so uh, versatile. Like, it, it means so many things for so many different things, you know? Yeah. So that's what makes it great. And uh, that's also what's made this interview great with you. The past hour here, um, Carlos, is we talked about so many different things, and it's been – a really fun time with you. I really appreciate you coming on. Is there any uh, lasting words that you have here on Monday Mass Sports Talk before I unfortunately have to let you go? Thanks for having me. Please watch more soccer. Go uh, if you're in Chicago in the Chicago area. Go get go catch a fire game next season oh, yeah. because I promise you it's going to be a lot more. Uh, when things open up, I'd love to go to a game with you. Yeah, no, please. Um, I, uh, I I work at the I work with the fire on uh, there occasionally, and uh, it's. This season was a little heartbreaking just because there weren't any fans at Soldier Field after, you know, the first first year back at Soldier Field and there weren't any fans there to experience it. But um, I, I can assure you that this season's going to be very exciting just to be back in the lakefront and um, to be to, – to see a team that's up, that's up and coming, which it is. I mean, this is a team that was one game short of the playoffs – it's definitely worthwhile. So that, that that's always a great introduction to the game and and a good way to start watching soccer and following it. Now, especially now with Chicago sports, you know, not all your Chicago sports are up to people's favors. You know, the Cubs are maybe not as uh, talented if people think that way. The Bears. I mean, the White uh, the Sox Bulls. are the only team. That's well, yeah, I mean, watching them. 
yeah, if we just don't avoid the elephant in the room. Yes, the, the White Sox are sincerely maybe the best team in Chicago right now, but the Chicago Fire definitely overlooked. Even that, um, the who's the women's soccer team? The Red Stars. Yeah, Red no. Stars, yeah. Even th- them are, are very much overlooked, including the sky with the Chicago uh, women's basketball. So, like, the, right at the beginning of this conversation, the big emphasis is women's sports, is that um, – they deserve the recognition for how much work they put in because they're so passionate about playing the sport. There's also, they're, they're one of the players that I followed my early times at DePaul. Uh, Sarah Gordon is, uh, is currently a, uh, is, she was a all big East player uh, as a center back, but she is now a, uh, a right back with the red stars and actually getting us women's national team consideration. Um, I think, uh, to have someone who, uh, to have someone who you've seen since the very start of their career, the Paul go all the way from there to like the possibly the top of the women's soccer uh, world, I think it's pretty incredible. And and you only it really you only get to see it if if you actually go out to uh, Bridgeview and and go check out some some wrestlers games. So I I I, I mean if if anyone out there is listening and and is looking for a way to get into soccer, that's also a great way to do it. Of course, go to, go to a wrestlers games. They're not very expensive, and you're supporting a a, a team that is a contender. So, of course. definitely worthwhile. Uh, and it was very worthwhile having you, Carlos Rodriguez, on today's broadcast, episode 188 of Monday Mass Sports Talk. Once again, thank you so much for um, being on. You are an amazing guest, and uh, sometime in the line, maybe you'll uh, come back on Monday Mass Sports Talk. We'll continue this discussion of Premier League soccer and beyond. Absolutely happy to be on here, and uh, sorry for the length of the uh, of uh, of my talking. No, that makes it even better. I loved it. It was like poetry in motion. Well, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, congratulations to you for your for for the nomination. Of course, uh, likewise, is, you 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 definitely deserved it, and uh, congratulations for this podcast. It's been great so far. I appreciate that, man. That really means a lot. Thank you, and congratulations to you as well. Thank you to Carlos Rodriguez for joining me here on today's episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk here on January 25th, 2021. Up next, we got some basketball to talk about to finish off this very long show that we have today here on episode 188, talking Chicago Bulls and NBA standings up next to finalize the show. See you soon. Welcome back to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the 188th edition of such, here on January 25th, 2021, and we have reached the final segment of the day today, and it is going to be NBA basketball, you Chicago Bulls. This was Milani Fontana and Nova Space with Redefined the Club Mix. All right, let's get it going here for the final segment of the day. As I said, it is going to be that of basketball. So let's get it going here with the standings as now in the Eastern Conference. I'd say it's pretty tight-knit through about, what, 17 games of the season. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers with a 12-5 and record, game and a half in front of the Milwaukee Bucks with a 10-6 and record. Let's look at the Boston Celtics, 9-6, and Pacers, 9-7, and Nets are 10-8, and even with the top one of the top three players in the league, I cannot believe they lost against the Cleveland Cavaliers with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Come on. 
You could do better than that, Brooklyn. Cleveland Cavaliers, 8-8 eight eight at 6th place. The Atlanta Hawks, 8-8. Eight eight. Knicks, 8-10. Eight and 10. And we go down the list. Raptors, 7-9. Bulls, 7-9. Hornets, 7-9 are the next seat, or the next teams, respectively. Uh, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. Um, they had a three-game winning streak this past week, which consisted of a win over the Dallas Mavericks, Houston Rockets, and Charlotte Hornets. Three teams that are tough teams to play against, especially with this young core of guys that you have, the Chicago Bulls, Laurie Markkinen, Zach Levine, Kobe White, are all the notables. Of course, Laurie Markkinen making this comeback um, a few games back. Uh, and now it's nice to see that this Bulls team is not so bad. I mean, they're like, the funny about this Bulls team is that they're like the same thing every year. It's like they're they're sticking around between the 7th seed and the 10th seed, and they end up either not making the playoffs or getting a 7 or 8 seed, you know? So that's what the Chicago Bulls are up to. That's why they don't get high picks in the draft as much. It's because they are... They're they're bad, but they're they not they're not as bad as they should be to get a better pick. That's usually what the Chicago Bulls are. But this year with um with Williams Patrick Williams coming in, um I love Patrick Williams. He's he's a very aggressive player, gets to the rim, has great um net presence, if you may say. That's not really what you call it in basketball rather than what's what you call in hockey is net front presence. But I mean being under the basket, being a big player, making big plays is what um, Williams needs to do to make sure he can develop his young career so far. But it's definitely hard to do it against like a guy like LeBron James where the other night the Bulls lost to the um, the Lakers by a score of 101-90. to 90. Um, I thought it was going to be a bigger margin of a game, but the Bulls stuck in there, and uh, you can only respect him for doing that. Let's look at the Western Conference here to catch up with what's going on there. It is the Los Angeles Clippers and Los Angeles Lakers, both tied with a 13 and 4 record. The Utah Jazz 12 and 4, Trailblazers 9 and 6, Nuggets 9 and 7, Grizzlies 7 and 6, Suns 8 and 7. Then you got the Spurs at 9 and 8. Those are your top 8 teams in the Western Conference. Then you got the Dallas Mavericks, Mavericks 8 and 8. And the Warriors a eight as well. So that is your basketball updated standings. Um, not uh, if I were to make any notable points, as we have already surpassed nearly a quarter of the season, um, is that it's going to be a very tight postseason race. You may say there's a lot of teams that are like you know in that area of the eighth seed that are like really equal in skill level. So it's about who's going to win the 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 close games. If it's a close game for the Bulls, you have to win, especially that game earlier in the season against the Golden State Warriors. That was supposed to be a win, but it wasn't. So those are the games that are most notable, is making sure, especially in the 72-game season that we are in, uh, is to make sure that each close game is won by the team who is going to be in the playoff race closely. So that's why it's fun to watch these games, is because you look at a clean game that's like within, you know, a five-point margin, you're like, is this going to be the game that makes the difference for this team this season? That's the big difference. It same thing applies to hockey, but hockey is on the point system where if you go to overtime, you get a point. Um, but in, in basketball, it's by record. It's by game back. So every single win matters in the NBA, which is why it's so important to recognize that each close game is going to be an essential game for any team who are who's within the margin of making it to the playoffs. Same thing applies to the Bulls. But in every single game, it seems like the Bulls are in it, which for this season, the expectations are kind of medium to low for the Chicago Bulls, but they're in it. They're in it to, you know, I mean, you could say in it to win it, but they're also 
in it to develop. They're they they they're putting the Bulls are putting themselves in positions to win games. But the point of the matter is, is that that is giving young guys chances to play in late game situations, pressure situations, get that experience so that there's less pressure come the bigger times, maybe in the next couple years, that the Bulls really do have a chance at making it far into the playoffs and having those big, big time moments. And that's why it's important to have close games, especially with a young core that the Chicago Bulls have, to make sure that they get the experience they need. And the big, big, big notion in today's show, which I've talked about in the NHL segment, is experience and making sure that these guys are getting that in-time experience, those high-level, high-level high situation um, conditions where guys have to make a clutch shot at the end. You know, what's it like to make that shot, to, to be under that kind of pressure? It's very important at this point of their careers to kind of have that. And the Bulls have been in very tight games, and uh, it, it's really good to see. Um, so let's let's see what's up next for the Chicago Bulls. You got the Celtics tonight at 8 o'clock. You got the Trailblazers on Saturday at 7, and the Knicks on Monday at uh, 7. So we have two games before the next show happens. Um, I don't know if I'll be talking basketball next week, um, but um, that is what we should show Look forward to, especially tonight with the Boston Celtics, a very good team from the Western Conference in which, um, or from the Eastern Conference. What am I doing? Yeah, Eastern Conference. Who are at 9 and 6? And the Bulls are what? Two games away from that third place position. So, like, these are the games that matter. And even if the Bulls, like, want to make the playoffs, like, these are the games that matter. I, I, I don't have expectations for the Bulls to make the playoffs, but I do have expectations to see developments in the Bulls game. And we've seen it, especially under Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan has done a fantastic job so far, utilizing his players to how they need to be, making sure that they have a game plan, and also creating plays that the opposing team doesn't expect, that they can't see coming. And um, especially with this group of talent that the Bulls have, I like it. I think it's potent talent that this Bulls team have is just making sure they play together enough, make sure they gain experience, and to start winning ballgames. And at this point in the season, nearly a quarter of the way done, if the Bulls can start winning, what, seven out of every ten games that they play, that's a little bit high of an expectation. They will most certainly play, make it to the playoffs. They win six out of the ten games. I would say the same thing. But that's a high order for this Bulls team who has not as much experience as the top eight teams that are in the Eastern Conference. Same thing in the Western Conference, especially since they're both playing each other. Um, so, yeah, that's that. I mean, m- not much really else to say about basketball. Um, other than currently, I think the MVP is Steph Curry. Um, Zach Levine is one of the underrated, most underrated players in the league. I mean, as a Chicago Bulls fan, I will naturally say that. He is one of the most underrated players in the league. And then uh, Kevin Durant is back to Kevin Durant status, but he's got to play well with his other two superstars on that team and the Nets. Like I originally said, James Harden and um, blanked it, Kyrie Irving. So making sure that they share the ball well. They combined for 96 points against the Cavaliers and still lost. So, depth is important. I think the Bulls have some depth. And making sure that there is a ideal 6th and 7th man that can come onto the court and produce some numbers. Um, that's what's going to win a team ball games in this shortened season that we have in the NBA. Alright, so those are the MVPs. Um, for me, Steph Curry is a baller. That is that. LeBron James misses in the clutch. 
this past week. And um, even though people are saying that's diminishing his uh, uh, his clutch status, I don't think that has anything to do with it. It's just a regular season game, and anybody could have missed that shot. Anybody could have made that shot. So don't go up on LeBron and say LeBron missed a game-winning three-pointer. Now he sucks. Um, other notables in the NBA, Jazz are on an eight-game-winning eight, eight streak. The Clippers are on an eight-game-winning streak after a slow start. Um, and, yeah, those are the two hottest teams in the in the league right now, both in the Western Conference. So it'll be interesting to see the Clippers um, face off against the Jazz maybe sometime soon, which is not going to happen. It's going to happen on February 19th. That would be Los Angeles Clippers against the Jazz if these two teams stay hot. But I really do like the Utah Jazz. I think that they are – Really kicking it so far, um, especially in the Western Conference, which is a very tough division to be in. Okay. That should do it. Yeah. That should just about do it here on the 180th edition of Money Man of Sports Talk. It's been a long one. It's been two over two hours. So always a pleasure to be on here in front of the mic. No matter how much time I have with you guys, it's always a great time here on Money Man of Sports Talk. It's always madness, and that's what I love about this show. Um, thank you so much for joining me it's been quite the pleasure um getting to spread the love of sport with you every single week and now three straight weeks with the show we're on a roll here with monday mass sports talk absolute roll want to remind you guys monday mass sports talk merchandise is out there i have some like i said i got pillows i got shirts i got sweaters i got pins i got mugs i got everything for money mad sports stock merchandise so please contact me on instagram at nfesti97 again that's at n-f-e-s-t-i-e 97 at nfesti97 direct message me and i would be glad to order you some merchandise with a shipping address and uh you'll get some really cool swag um with that i've already had some great reviews uh people have already gotten their stuff in the mail today and they're loving it and i'm loving it too and a reminder that with every single Monday Man of Sports Talk merchandise purchase, $2 will be sent to COVID relief funds for that purchase. So it's also for a really good cause. And um, we've already ordered, uh, got over $130 in COVID relief funds uh, donated. So that's amazing here for Monday Man of Sports Talk. Cannot be any prouder of that. But for now, that is it for this week's episode of Monday Man of Sports Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in i appreciate your time and i hope for nothing but the best of health and safety as we move on throughout this coronavirus pandemic and through the week until i see you next time next week have a great week this has been noah festin scene for the 188th edition of Monday Night sports talk here on january 25th 2021 see you next time